brought to you by your local newspaper. Unless someone real decides to sponsor us, this is Boy Meets World Fever. I'm one of your hosts, Chance. And I'm your other host, Cameron. Hey, Cameron. Hey, for a second there, I really thought you were about to say, and I'm your host, Cameron. Like, you were about to say my name. <laughs> it really, like, threw me off. I was like, why would you think that? I don't know, but I was just ready for you to say, and I'm your host, Cameron. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's just what happened. Um, yeah, so we have uh, something special today. We do. What, we do. What's special? Well, we have our very first guest who's going to be joining us today. So we've never had a guest before, so we have to introduce them. But I thought of an appropriate way to do that. So on the show today, we have a friend of mine. Yeah, we'll just say friend. <laughs> don't want to be presumptuous. Um, my sister-in-law's boyfriend. Okay. So who knows? Sky's the limit. Um, but this is Luke Garrison. So here we go. And it's Luke Garrison. Luke Garrison. Coming on our show. Boy Meets World Fever is what he's doing. It's good to know I have friends who'll always podcast with me. Because it's Luke Garrison. <laughs> Luke Garrison, everybody. Wow. That was... Uh... That was glorious. I've been, uh, I've been sitting on that one for months. He, uh, he has. He's been like, when are we having a, a person on so we can sing this song? I feel like I could, uh, I, I feel like I could figure out a way to get to get a track to lay underneath that. Like yeah. we got to, we'll figure that out. Get in the studio. Yeah. Get a, <laughs> A solid beat under there. Well, hello. I think we can. Hi, how are you? It's great, great to be on. I'm a big fan of the show, uh, and I appreciate uh, your your asking me to be your very first uh, guest. And now I'm thinking it's because my name fit well into the uh, the title song, and that's. I mean, it definitely played a, a factor. It... <laughs> yeah. uh, Luke, uh, the one who pulled the clips for us to use as our uh, opening and transition music. Uh huh. So every time you hear that sweet jingle from the beginning of Women's World Season 1. This is your guy that you can thank. For. Hey. I, I, the reason Cameron was hesitant when uh, introducing you, Luke, I don't know if he's told you this, is mm. because I kind of forget the complexity of the relationship, and every time sure. like, he brings you up, I'm just like, wait, is that your brother-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it tends to be at, at our age, anytime that uh, that you're dating someone, it's assumed that you'll be wed very quickly. So it's not a, it's uh, it's it's understandable. It seems that that's a, it's like, I think that the immediate reaction for most people uh, when they found out that Micah and I were dating, most of the old ladies would say things like, wait a minute, that's five children together. Like they'd already, they'd already moved past the fact that it wasn't just that we were dating, but that we were married. And then now we have collectively five children together and have to figure that out. So mm-hmm. it's a very normal thing uh, to just kind of, yeah. So uh, what, what, what is your history with Boy Meets World, Luke? Well, I, I think that uh, I can say that I've been a fan as long as it's been around like like i watched boy meets world as it as it progressively came out through the seasons on on uh, on tgif so uh so so yeah i i i was i you know we're talking about this earlier as i was thinking about coming on the show and, and knowing that i was going to get that opportunity was that you know i was a huge boy meets world fan through the process um you know and uh, and it was it was really kind of the show as 
I was coming up, you know, they, I guess he was probably, a, well, no, we were about the same time. So seventh, well, he was eighth grade. I was in seventh grade. I think is the transition, like when, ser- when series came out. So, you know, uh, so that, that whole nineties feel all the way through and everything. I mean, it really aligned itself with what we were going through in school and some of the other things we were dealing with. And, uh, you know, so I mean, it's, I think it's just, uh, it's just one of those great shows. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, we obviously agree as we have decided to podcast about it once again. <laughs> I hate it. I've never been, man. I've been lying this whole time. Uh-huh. I, I do think uh, Cameron's gusto and luster for season one was damaged uh-huh. by our season one. <laughs> Just going back and paying closer attention. I, I, Cameron and I's biggest maybe Boy Meets World disagreement like of our friendship has always been, I think season one's watchable, but not good. And Cameron's always like, no, I love season one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think that I think season one, it, you know, they were still trying to find their footing, and by by season two, they really had some good, you know, uh, characters established and had a good feel for what they're doing. You know, it's it's borderline feel good, right? Like season one is a lot more feel good, trying to grab it, and by season two, they go, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna still have the moral, but like really, we're gonna be able to. It's it's really more about the fun and and the kicks and everything on those lines. They're kind of going through. So I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely a good coming of age show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I especially think uh the second episode that we're going to cover today is a great coming of age yes. yeah uh, deal some real standout moments um something interesting about these episodes i'm glad we watched them together but luke you're also here for another milestone because these are our first episodes that have like a through line oh about yeah. a character kind of a mini character arc between the two episodes with eric and yeah desiree. Um, yeah that is not her name oh i mean desiree emerlin hollinger beaumont <laughs> yes wow a little georgia peach i, I can't <laughs> <laughs> with an accent, but you can't say her name without saying Desiree. Desiree. <laughs> uh, I will not allow it. Yeah. So we'll get there if you're very confused. Yeah. Uh, we're no, there's definitely some some good moments with Desiree and some some good moments, uh, you know, with uh, with Jason and Vampira in the midst of all of that. So I think, <laughs> guys, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've got some PG-13 stuff for us to talk about this week because there yeah. are questions that I've got. Uh-huh. There's some, some things that happen in these episodes. There uh, are. I mean, I guess we just jump into it. Are we Are we good to start with two, uh, 203? I am. Yeah, let's do it. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Cameron, you want to summarize episode 203, okay. Notorious? 203, Notorious. So Sean decides to try and make a name for himself at his new school, but in doing so, besmirches Mr. Feeney's name, having everyone know him as Mr. Weenie. And kind of hilarity ensues, and Corey's kind of in a tie spot trying to decide should I turn my friend in and like be honest or should I protect him yep that's a good that's a good summary uh good use of the word the smirch I like it we should mm-hmm. use it more. Uh, I agree I agree uh Luke what did you what was your first reaction to this episode did you remember it from your childhood yeah 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 I, it, there was a lot of nostalgia that was coming back I think with both of these episodes as kind of watching through I did notice more you know as from an adult context like there are definitely some uh some, some points in there that I, that I don't think that I would have picked up as much, you know, as I was younger, as I, as you know, you do as a, as a grown adult. But uh, there's definitely there are a few things there that uh, that that were interesting. But I, I like the episode overall. I do I do like the context of the um, the uh, some some of the way that it plays back. And I know that we'll probably go through each of these like these pieces as they kind of components as they go through. But the whole Feeny Weenie and, and even dealing in Feeny's emotion and his feelings, you know, in the midst of that, and it, and it kind of traping back to his childhood and you know some of the things that. Kind 
kind of come out with that. Just a lot of uh, a lot of really good moments in it. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the first moment of this actually is kind of a through line as well, but maybe not the best kind of through line. At the very beginning of this, we get a joke that Eric is saying. Uh, well, a girl with Eric is saying something that can be taken as sexual mm-hmm. uh, to him o- outside of context. And for the second time in two episodes, Corey's like, oh, something sexual is happening with my brother. I need to go Let me see that. my head in. Mm-hmm. Go in there. I have a note written. Does Corey just really want to see Eric bang? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? What is this kid doing? <laughs> I think that he's got a bit, it's that component of the annoying younger brother, right? It's, it's, it's not so much that he wants to see, it's that he wants to interrupt. It's, uh, you know, he wants to, he wants to make it not happen. Okay, that, I mean, that does make more sense. Mm-hmm. You look at it from Eric's perspective. Corey's sure. just being annoying. Corey's just being, yeah, that must be it. I mean, I do not have siblings, but I would assume walking in on your brother banging, it would be tantamount to walking into your parents banging. I would assume. You're saying banging a lot, it's making me very I told you, I had some things to prepare. Can you explain what banging is? I, I don't think that I've had that talk. So, <laughs> Well, you see, but a man and a woman really love it. Oh, wait. Okay, I've had that. Okay, we're, we're on the same page now. Okay, we got it. Um, or when a teenage boy sees any girl, that works too. <laughs> School oh, boy. Office. Yes. Ooh, it just stood out to me so much this time. Like, just last episode, Corey does this, and then again, oh. I think he would learn. Or maybe, you know, he just doesn't realize. It could be. He could just be an innocent little lamb. Could be. Probably not. Probably not. Um, but yes, what is in the office? What's going on? Yeah, Eric's just giving the newspaper editor a shoulder rub. Yes. Um, as she is working on the paper. Apparently he's very good at that. Apparently Which I feel like I feel like trying to type while having your shoulders rubbed would be very difficult. But that's maybe that's just me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I also had that exact same mm-hmm. It's like I need full range of motion. I'm gonna be tightening up or something. <laughs> well, especially as he describes he describes his hands as being very what, what does he say, manly uh, masculine 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 hands, you know? So you imagine that's a good hard shoulder rub. Like we're not talking about a weak thing here. Mm-hmm. Hard to do when you're typing. Maybe, maybe she was just proofreading. Maybe she was just scrolling. Maybe, maybe. you can do that. Maybe. I I'd understand. like to think so. Um, but she, he exposes that he has value, and she retorts with, "Of course you do, my little cabana boy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, just like his little servant. Guys, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna throw this out here. The writer of this episode, he has some kinks going on that he's working on with these characters. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're yeah. working early, but this is kind of kinky, right? It, it's a little, uh, it's a little disturbing at points. Uh, where, where my, there would be some struggle there. Although it is this, it you know, there there are two different women in this episode, particularly that he serves. So uh, it seems to be maybe an Eric issue more than it is at the girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he definitely refers to this relationship relationship later as like a relationship of status mm-hmm. so he right. realizes like by dating this girl or like associating with her it like elevates his status so he would do things in order to maintain that status i guess uh, he does it definitely like running on her errands and stuff yeah it seems to be his appeal that's the whole idea right it's not about necessarily having a girlfriend it's having a girlfriend of status he wants a smart girl first and then it's just having a senior girl and that gives him the status that he's looking for and that that carries over into the next episode too where he, it continues to it, it's a matter of having status uh, dating a senior yeah it's true I, I don't know I was very uncomfortable with the whole cabana boy thing and the yes pudding thing later in this 
<laughs> she's looking for pudding. It's it, it's just very a very specific type of something. Very <laughs> uncomfortable. I did not realize that was happened in Morgan's world. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've never caught that or really thought about it. Yeah, I'm just saying, the writer of this episode got something going on. <laughs> he may have certain um, proclivities. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. But yeah, Corey and Eric, they enter. They uh, I've got a cage full of rats that they've named after themselves. Uh, I don't, is Corey the one with the skin rash? Corey has the skin condition and Sean's trying to pick the lock. Oh, yeah. Which he apparently succeeds in. Mm-hmm. Seems that way. Okay. And uh, they use the rat to scare off the girl and are left alone with the computer. I mean, what else, what yeah. else is there to say? <laughs> not, not a lot going on. Uh, they realize that they can change it. They change it to, uh, Corey and Sean realize they can change it. And they change the headline, which is about Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney. They change it to Teeny, Beeny, Beeny. And then they settle on Weenie. Weenie. <laughs> right. <laughs> which I don't know why that's not, that, I don't know why they didn't start there. But they never landed on Meanie. Oh, that's they never point. went to Meanie. Like they said, like weird words that weren't anything that I needed. Like Deanie. <laughs> so I, I don't know why they never go to Meanie. Yeah. They could have done Steamy, but that would have been a lot of changing. They couldn't just do it with one letter. Yeah. <laughs> principle is <laughs> Steamy. Steamy. This isn't Grey's Anatomy. Uh, it's not our Boy's World reboot with Anderson <laughs> Cooper. I feel like if Mr. Mr. Turner was the principal, it would have been Mr. Steamy. That would have been a whole different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, in our last episode, we rebooted it and we recast Mr. Feeney as Anderson Cooper. Oh, nice. Uh, but with abs. Yeah. Anderson it was, Cooper with abs. It was, uh, I was gonna feel like I, ha- I didn't hear that. Is that, one already, is that one already out there? I haven't heard that one yet. It just came out. Yeah, it just dropped okay. on Thursday. So, okay, just, well. Two days ago, yeah. But, to, I, will, I will follow back up. I, I apologize. I'm usually better than this. You're fine. I thought you said you did your research. Uh, here, here I was thinking I was right where I needed to be. But that would definitely have been Principal Steamy. Uh-huh. Anderson Cooper in there. Absolutely. Yeah, Silver Fox. Silver Fox. Yes, yeah, so they're in there. We're also introduced to kind of a recurring character, Janitor oh, Bud. Janitor Bud. In the hall. It's the first time mm-hmm. we see Janitor Bud. Yes, welcome, Janitor Bud. We will have some have some, some complicated feelings towards you later on. Yeah. Mm. Maybe not even I, I'm sure we'll talk about it later but i actually think janitor bud he, he's got one of the uh one of the best lines of the episode so oh what is oh, it he, I, are you talking about it later yes it's a little later yeah i, I don't know I, I don't know if we bring it up now or we wait but uh we'll wait till we get there we'll wait till yeah. we get there. um yeah so sean shows the same kind of um <laughs> lust for chaos that he always did picking on uh minkus r.i.p mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Miss Minkus. Um, oh, not really. With, uh, you know, his inability to not mess with Minkus's burger. Uh-huh. His cherry bomb delinquency. Yeah. Uh, he mm-hmm. just can't resist the the power of changing the name in the school paper. Uh-huh. Even though Corey's like, we can't do that. It'd be wrong. He ends up doing it anyway. He does it anyway. Which Corey should have never left him in there knowing who Sean is. Let's be honest. Yeah, this is as much Corey's fault as anyone's. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he changes the name to Weenie. And that's it. We cut to the next day, right? Right. I, I, right. I was asking. <laughs> uh, Correct. Yeah, we get the we get the great scene with Janitor Bud, and then we cut to the next day where everyone's reading the paper and really having a good laugh. Yeah, they brought joy and, to everybody. Yes, uh, yes, an excellent, an excellent, boisterous laugh. Uh, even everyone is laughing. Uh-huh. All of all of them, uh-huh. except Harley Kiner. Yes, I mean he's who, he's laughing. He's laughing. <laughs> he's laughing. I'm laughing. <laughs> 
I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Oh, I was I was, was going to be laughing too once I realized you were laughing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> laughing. Joey's line. Joey. Joey's line is very funny. What do you think He's about got... and Joey and Frankie? Okay, so, so Joey, Joey is definitely the funniest of three, but I, I can tell you guys, I, I have got a, I, I love Frankie. Like, I, I like I like him overall. Like, I mean, like as an actor, he, he is fantastic. I don't know if you guys have seen, like, if you watched him at all, but like, he was one of those people that progressively through his career, I knew he was from Boy Meets World, but you almost had to keep watching him as he's progressed. Like, he's an American History X, was fantastic in that movie as like a neo-Nazi, like, you know, uh, just just crazy movie. But he did that, you know, he's a butterfly effect. He did a whole bunch of different dramatic, more like, you know, heavy hitters and then turned right back around and was on, uh, oh, what was the sitcom he did? Um, my Name is Earl. My Name is Earl. Yeah, I did like several seasons of My Name is Earl after that. And then he uh, he was in, um, uh, man, I had a list of his, uh, his, hold on, let me just look at this real quick. But it was, uh, <laughs> this is the one I really remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Remember the Titans, and Butterfly Effect, uh, American History X, and uh, and then obviously My Name is Earl was kind of one of his bigger credits. But uh, it evolution? Um, so? He was an evolution. He helped save the day. With head yep. and telling everyone that selenium was in uh, head and shoulders. Head and shoulders. Yeah. yeah. So big shout out to Ethan Suplee is his name. He's a he, but he is you know the the crazy thing about him. He's like he he's in he's in fantastic shape now. Like he like he does like workout videos and all sorts of things now. That's what he's doing. But like he's like just this huge bodybuilder. Yeah. You anyway, know, that know, chase first boy meets world character we get on our show. We should shoot for him. Yeah. That's a pretty big guy. He can teach us a thing or two. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's a uh, he's uh, he's but he was he was he was he's among the among the funniest. I think to be able to be with very few words funny and and give that you know give the attire as the uh, you know the the one one of you know one of the threesome in that particular crew you know and then the whole mafia theme that that Janice kind of gives us uh, this undertone. Joey says, "What uh, am, am I going for a ride?" Like later in the episode, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really really funny you know uh, back and forth that kind of give that uh, that mafia feel as far as in the in the shtick. So, but I love them. Yeah, I love them too. It's it's so weird what these what what the writers think. Like, how do we make these guys bad? Well. They beat people up. They blow their noses into people. They like pranks. Like it's just yeah, it's wicked dudes. Yeah, it's real scum. Costs a dollar to keep your ears. That's the way that we do it here. It's only a buck. <laughs> the glasses hang crooked. How because how they ain't got no ear. <laughs> I can't do it, Joey. I can't do a Brooklyn. Yeah, it's a weird Brooklyn. What what's his band called again? Rilo Kylie. Rilo Kylie. That's right. Um, so if you want to follow Joey, Rilo Kylie. If you want to follow Frankie, I I follow All him on those Twitter. Things. That's I a follow, lot of things. I follow him on Twitter. Lots. Um, but yeah, I think Harley being like, I'm laughing. I'm rolling on the floor. It's just I'm rolling on the floor. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, yeah, and so then Sean is trying to, he wants to take credit for it, but then he's like, I can't because then they'll know who did it. And he's really tested because some girls were like, if this was my boyfriend who did this, I would do anything for them. Which, what? Again, that doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a, it definitely, it, it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. I know what you're going to say, Chase. <laughs> Chance, but that's okay. <laughs> Chase, um, but Chase is your first name. Tell everyone that's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Chase is my first name, but I go by Chance. That's right. Uh, that's not true. I'm Chance, but but yeah, I mean, again though, this is that 
this is that kink thing that someone's working out in the script. I'm telling you, <laughs> like, just, yeah. as uncomfortable as it is. It's just such a weird, like, ethos, Yeah, I guess. There is, th- these episodes are packed with relationship servitude. So, and, mm-hmm. and it's just so strange. Were you going to say something about that, Luke? Well, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's just a very, it's a very odd, um, an odd thing as far as, uh, as far as the servitude relationship. Like, but I, but I mean, like, honestly, like this, this particular episode, it tends to objectify just a little bit. Like, like you, you, when you're, you're talking about the girl that passes, says, I would do anything for him. And, and Sean kind of has this, oh, like, you know, wandering moment. It, it, it's almost an objectification of, you know, that particular female there. And then again, it happens later with Desiree and, and, you know, er, earlier on in the show. And, and I think that that was pretty common for some of these 90s sitcoms as far as this, you know, the idea of in, in the teenage years, it was the, you know the, the only thing the men were after was this and and you know the, the the girls that were willing to you know be a part of that it definitely different to watch it as a father with a teenage daughter and it is you know to watch it you know as a teenager that's coming up you know the, the same age and, and going through it from that stance so and it's just so interesting especially thinking of the last episode where i feel like the message was almost like girls are people too yeah yeah like you right. treat them that way and then here right. it's like right back to it as natural as breathing yeah almost just like yeah i you know i think Corey's statement from last episode does hold a lot of weight for especially middle school boys like i'm not saying it's okay by any means but there is a level of objectification that's just kind of natural because you know i just thought they were there i didn't know they were interactive right is what he says well and and i think i think it is a big piece of being a teenager is is learning and understanding the idea the fact that that it is an objectification that it that that they that there is more to it and um and so i definitely see where they can get away with writing it in. I, I definitely think had it been written today, it would be at a completely different, um, held to a completely different standard at, than it was, you know, in the 90s when it was written. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we ever reboot season two. If we ever, if we ever <laughs> that. Oh, it took us so long to reboot season one. There's yeah. almost no story. In that. Well, and you can almost, I mean, and not to jump way, 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 way forward, but, you know, even with the Girl Meets World series that came out later, you can see the difference in the dynamic between a 2000 series of Boy Meets World and a, you know, 90s series of Boy Meets World, so. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how good the Boy Meets World writers are at writing women, but I there are certain episodes of Girl Meets World that I think are very well written that right. capture a, uh, I don't know, a, a, a complicated sense of who girls are, kind of a deal. Sure. I don't know how to say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we don't even know what we're talking about either. It's true. It's right, as we, as we are not girls, nor ever will we be. So yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. There is there's there's a level of objectification. There's a level of just kind of there's an odd undertone that just really struck out to me in all three or both of these episodes. Yeah. Um, but Sean really wants he really wants people to know it's him. Yeah, which makes sense. Like big school, Corey mentioned. There's two thousand students at the school. Oh, does he? So, yeah. So especially That's being like next. Never mind. Keep going. Being the lowly like seventh grader trying to make a name for yourself in that kind of environment, even though we only ever see one hallway. <laughs> seventh graders and seniors all at once but uh yeah Um, and no in between really other than eric and jason so so, always hanging out by the principal's office well okay so we're gonna have to jump to this real quick because you just (laughs) okay because it was the bathroom yeah it was the bathroom now the show is right that is our whole thing Uh the show is right so is maybe this same identical corner in all four corners of the high school could be like because it was the bathroom last episode 
that's a different, a different hall. So, listen, the architects, I mean, they would, you'd think that the build would be, you know, relatively same in, in different areas. I mean, that, that could, that can work. Yeah, make I mean, that work. Two different wings. Yeah. They, yeah. Never go, they never go straight into Turner's room from where they are in front of uh, Feeney's office. So maybe. Yeah. It seems like, um, at least in this episode, like Eric is going into where Turner's room would be yeah. when he bumps into Desiree. So, and that wouldn't be a different teacher's class because typically the teacher stays in the same room. Yeah. So I think we've got to assume that this corner, there are multiple that look exactly like this, even with the John Adams head, just <laughs> multiple corners of the school, right? It has to be. Okay. Okay. So then we get to class studying the Scarlet Letter. We need to keep track of what books they're doing. So they were doing- So we can put together a reading list. Or something. Mm-hmm. World reading list. And that can go on your Instagram page. That's a, that's yeah. a whole different- uh... Perfect. <laughs> read, along, read along with us. We do the Boy Meets World Book Club. <laughs> Or we're going to read the books from Boy Meets World. But we've got to do it in a week like they do. Uh-huh. So they read The Odyssey. That's a, that's a big fat book to get through in a week. Yeah, and after they've already done. They did um, Tom Jones. Tom Jones, The Odyssey. The Odyssey, now they're reading The Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Um, which I think when I remember reading it junior year, and we took like a month. But that that is a reading list. I mean, maybe we just went to crappy public schools. I don't know. But those four books are a reading list for like at least a semester, if not a year of like high school. Yeah, I remember in high school we would do... At least ninth and tenth grade, we did four kind of four novels a year. Yeah, and then we would read like some plays together. From we had like a reader, we'd read like sure. a lot of short stories and stuff. But then we would read like four novels, one every quarter. That was like a bigger reading assignment. Not like every single week we're reading a new book. Yeah, did, yeah, uh, for sure. What was it like for you? You're a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, I was so much older. No, I, I was trying to think. I don't think that we read the Odyssey until I was in I was ninth or tenth grade before the Odyssey was on our reading list. So I, I felt did. like that's a whole different thing and 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 uh i don't know and in my opinion the scarlet letter scarlet letter for seventh graders is just a little scandalous for uh for that uh that age group but you know like nathan isn't known for his clarity or brevity (laughs) no no. right right Um, yeah but you know for the you know walk in line with the story i guess you know i mean it 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 works within the story and you know it's it's mr turner and and i don't you know want to think i mean i actually think of you cameron I, i imagine you're a lot like mr turner in the class Classroom. like it's that's kind of that same that's that's how i feel like you probably are when you're dealing with your class kind of that mr turner feel you know you don't have, you don't have you're not a, you're not an earring boy but you know you've got the big fat beard you know kind of it's like the, the new age you know look of uh of cool teacher so i mean i am the mr turner yeah sorry yeah. i need to get a motorcycle now i'm having a moment <laughs> <laughs> only if you get a mullet that's the only way you're allowed Sarah to. would be okay if I pierced my ears my grandparents would not be but Sarah's kind of she likes ear piercings that's interesting I think she'd yeah. be okay with it you think so I still I'm just trying to get I, I really think what he needs is a tattoo sleeve I think that he could really make that work it works yeah. Right yeah I know you, I think you, you get that right arm done I think that'd be a good look on you and the school you imagine the kids would probably love that I mean like to know yeah yeah Mr. Liner he's actually got a sleeve tattoo and other kids be like nah he doesn't know way i always keep my sleeve mostly rolled down maybe a little up or that peeks out <laughs> just so it's like i saw it i saw it yeah exactly yeah i imagine a sleeve tattoo for you is mostly final fantasy pokemon <laughs> it's, super, it's super nerdy <laughs> that's okay there's nothing wrong with that what a boy meets world probably lots of swords maybe like <laughs> gun. Ooh, all of these are great oh uh, yeah yeah cameron's cameron's definitely the cool teacher we've talked about tattoos before on this show i was about to ask our audience if they had a tattoo but we've already had that question yeah yeah if you could get a tattoo Luke, what would you get just out of 
<laughs> I've got a lot of tattoos. So uh, it, the, the real question needs to be, what would you get if you knew you could get anything and it wasn't permanent? You know, and it would probably be, it'd probably be something Harry Potter related. I don't know. Like, you know, yeah, book of spells or something. I don't know. I feel like everything, everything that I have now is very, very much like, you know, it's religious in context. So it's like, you know, it, it, it fits in with my worldview and my thought and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, what would you get if it was just something fun, you know, maybe squirtle on my thigh. I don't know. I do something. <laughs> so a, a tramp stamp that is yeah. a, tramp, a tramp from Lady and the Tramp on it. Ooh, it's a little, I like that. I like it. Uh, I feel kind of bad now when we were talking about tattoos on this show and I said I don't really like meaningful tattoos listen if if you're worried about offending people on your show then you should have stopped at Christmas that was your episode of uh, you know like uh, you know when you said I hate Christmas that I think that turned off your whole audience so <laughs> that was it, that was it. <laughs> the war on Christmas is at this <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> he's the poster child of the war Christmas. As I said in that episode, I will never try to ruin Christmas for anyone else. He's not a Grinch. Or a Scrooge. No. Or a Scrooge. Either one. I just don't, I don't, I don't need it. He doesn't hollow down. Yes. Not, yeah, um, I think, I think your opinion will, will change Chase when you've got little Chases running around and that will be when, when, uh, when Christmas changes for you and it'll be, uh, you know, the change agent out of it. We really did just now meet. <laughs> It's going to change my mind to anything. <laughs> I'm yes. an only child with no family. I mean, it's just, <laughs> not his oeuvre. I, I, I've got an okay relationship with your kids. Yeah, sort of. No one likes you a lot. Nash says hi to you every time he sees you. It's, it's like, true. Hi, Nance. But I'm still little... terrified to interact with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Yeah. Where, where are we? Anyway, again? they're still in class. Mr. Turner asks them what the A stands for for the Scarlet Letter. And Corey says, boring, which I don't know if you guys have read the Scarlet Letter. I mean, it is dense, as I've said, but I think it's really good. Yeah, I've read I think it's a good story. I feel like some of the arguments they have throughout the book of like, is it better to like be honest? And it's like kind of the our same argument we see throughout this. Is it like, what's the better thing to do? Like to come clean or mm-hmm. to like, keep your reputation in order to do more good with your good reputation? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, what is the right thing to do? Yeah. Um, it's more nuanced than that. And kind of like like we're seeing modern days where it's like you are like if you've done these bad things you're going to be thrown to the wolves essentially that's what a lot of people are saying i don't think it's the same argument as like cancel culture or anything like that but well it's definitely a much more nuanced uh take than cancel culture plus that didn't exist yeah (laughs) not to say some people don't deserve to be canceled because some people do but Uh (laughs) that's a that's another story for another time um but so i think it's a good book i enjoyed reading it i don't know that it would be exciting for a seven no definitely not i read it in junior year of English and we were all very full of ourselves. If you were in my junior English class and you were listening, maybe you would agree. We, we were always like the AP class and so we all just thought we say, were you really, AP, really good and smart and had smart things to say. So if you agree and you're listening, maybe you're not, probably not. Um, let me know if you agree with my take on that. Um, yeah, I, I read The Scarlet Letter only recently, maybe five-ish years ago um, and I really appreciated it, but I don't think I could have done it as a seventh grader. Have you read it, Luke? No, I, I well, I was going to say, I, I, I looked over it. I know that I've, uh, I, I, I think that there's probably a, a thousand nuances from that particular, you know, it's been made into several different types of movie that, that, that haven't been exactly the same, but I've never been through uh, the book page to page, you know, uh, just picked up things here and there about it. But um, but I definitely uh, agree with kind of your guys' depiction of it as far as what I know about it uh, without actually having read it. Yeah, I think, jump 
jumping ahead just a little bit, I think that this episode does maybe a really good job of tying the lesson he's learning in class with like what's actually going on. Uh, I feel like both of them do. Yeah, both yeah. Of these episodes do a good job. But the next one is very explicit. Uh-huh. This one is very implicit, mm-hmm. I feel like. Right. It's not, it's not the same. It's him being called Weenie isn't hurting Feeney's reputation, really. Like it isn't. But, right. but still that whole like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I can't sound smart like your junior English class. But you really can't. <laughs> I also really yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's a really it's a really good like you can watch this and you'll be fine. But if you like know the story of the Scarlet Letter, and even if you've seen like what was that movie Easy A or whatever, uh-huh. right? That yeah. kind of like it's a very it. well known story. Yeah. If you know the right. story, like you can really see the parallels between what Corey has to face and what the main character of uh, the Scarlet Letter has to face. Hester. Yeah. Hester. Thank you. Um, as we know, I call them the mom and the dad in this, so names escape <laughs> me sometimes. Alan and Amy. Alan and Mom Amy. and the dad. Um, um, Feeney comes into the class and is like, I need to find out who did this. You have to tell me if you know anything. Corey and Sean do the worst job in the world trying to play it cool. Uh, my note just says, Sean is really bad at being bad. <laughs> yeah, both because in the last episode, same thing. Sean's just like, huh? Huh? Yeah. Huh? I'm not making eye contact. Yeah. Come on, man. You get in trouble enough. You ought to know how to play it cool. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, the fact that the fact that Feeney didn't know who was responsible for it when he entered in that room just I mean, it does not show to the esteem of the level of, you know. I mean, you 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 know just I, I'm imagine Cameron, you can tell us as a teacher, you know, I, that kind of reaction, you would know like who you're dealing with at this point, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Feeney knows. Well, he has to. I mean, like Amy knew before, you know, he even walks to the front door who the who the person was, yeah. you know? I mean, this room- just reminded Corey me of a story. Knows one person. Yes. This just reminded me of a story. My first year teaching, I got an email from someone that lives in a neighborhood on the other side of town that some of our students live in. And he said, hey, so something weird kind of happened. There were some students that said they were from your class. They were going door to door saying they were collecting money for like a charity that you guys are doing in your class to like buy books for kids in other countries or something. And it's not a big deal. I gave him like a dollar, but I just wanted to like let you know, like your name was mentioned. I don't know if it was like right or not but uh there it is we were doing no such thing we were not raising money these girls were going door-to-door scamming people using my name and and so i go to confront them and i pull one of them out in the hall and this girl she's like a very good liar and i'm like hey you know i just got this message and they said they were i I didn't say that it was her i was just like i didn't know if you heard about anybody doing something like this because the guy had said like they had these lizards and i'm like i know exactly who you're talking about because these two girls that always have lizards lizard girls we got it the lizard tracking. girl, you know. Right. These girls are maybe the coolest people I've ever heard of. It's like a, it's like a horse girl or an e girl. Um, right. um, but so I go and she's like, oh, no, that doesn't ring a bell. I I wasn't even around then. Like I don't. The other girl that was in, I, I don't know. Um, and so I bring the other girl out and I was like, hey, we were just talking about this. And the other girl's like, I didn't want to do it. She made me do it. Just like cracks instantly right in front of the <laughs> other girl. And I'm just like, yes. The power <laughs> of what I just did is exhilarating. I'm not going to lie. I was on the girl's side until she cracked. <laughs> I was like, man, these, these girls know what's up. I didn't want to do That's it. a whole different level of scandal right there. I'm there with Feeney getting my name kind of dragged through the mud. I called their moms. They took all the money back, supposedly. Supposedly. I never followed up, but <laughs> maybe it's just my mischief maker, but like. <laughs> I was just so mad. Like, why do you have to say my name? <laughs> Um, that's really that's great I love that story that's wonderful that made me very happy I didn't want to do it (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, so he he they, they go home next, right? It's the, yeah, it's home. Right. Eric gets dumped by the newspaper girl. Yeah, right. Uh, it gets right. pretty violently dumped by the newspaper <laughs> girl. It's very verbose. Yeah, you are as snappy as you are, but anyway, that's way that's later. later. Well, that's way later. Yes. Okay. Um. But yeah. So uh, then Morgan comes in. <laughs> what does Morgan say, Cameron? It says weenie, <laughs> weenie. It says weenie. <laughs> and then at the end, she yells, "I can read. I can read. I can read." Yeah. <laughs> You know, you gotta love the the Alan and Amy like interaction though. In the midst of in the midst of all of this, is kind of the way that they're whenever. Uh, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here. I, I'm trying to think. Is this this is this the point? Are we at the point yet where Amy says she got the call, or or that she talked to George, or is are, are we before that at this point? We're, we're before that because uh, Bud hasn't accused Corey yet. Okay, I'll hold it then. I'm gonna hold that thought. Um, but yeah, so basically they're just talking about how this happened. Eric got dumped, mm-hmm. uh, and Corey is like I did not do this did not do it. nor did I do it yeah right <laughs> okay okay Corey um so obvious being very obvious again and then we jump to the hallway uh-huh, where he meets Desiree Emmeline right. Hollinger Boma but you may call me Desiree <laughs> Eric Matthew, but you may call me Jess. Yeah. Um, this is a very funny scene. Uh, is this a meet cute? Chance, can I? Yeah, it might. No, it's not a meet. Well, it would be, you could consider it a meet cute if this was going to be a long lasting relationship. But as it is pretty short, um, I, I think it's just, I, I think it'd just be a normal altercation. Meet cute would really be more like when Topanga and Corey first met. That would be a meet cute because you know that's got longevity to go to marriage. Ooh, that's good. Hmm. I've never seen that moment. What were you going to yeah. say? Why do we see Topanga? Well, <clears throat> I was just going to help you because I, I feel like I know where this is going with Desiree and I just I wanted to see what your thoughts were on costume selection as far as in the way that they uh, they put Desiree together in her ensemble in the midst of the you know they're, they're talking up the clothing as they're kind of working through that and she's wearing this really weird like stylistic suspender like mm-hmm. uh, blouse and uh, and skirt you know and, and, and she appears in those periodically but I don't remember that being a 1980 or 1990s clothing selection like I don't remember that being a popular garb you know uh so i don't know i, I felt that that was pretty pretty odd uh, in, in the midst of the the, the episodes uh, that she was in maybe it's a georgia thing maybe yeah i don't think i give them enough credit to have done that research to say what did they wear in georgia at this time yeah i, I still think it's just a writer working out some kind of repression something right <laughs> uh, because maybe there was a georgia piece peach in his past that he was uh you know yeah, recreating yeah, um, I, we get the return of Jason here real quick because I do want to bring up uh, before we get too deep into Desiree that he's talking with Jason and then after he meets Desiree and he's like, you know, don't let me fall for a misery bag. And Jason's like, uh, this is this is exactly that. Bag of misery, bag of misery. <laughs> this is a bag of misery. He's like, you're right. Hey, are you doing anything right now? He's like, no. So Eric grabs his books and his papers and throws, throws them, them down the hallway. <laughs> It's so time to get these. Now you can go get these. So I thought this was very funny. Uh, laughed at that a lot. And uh, he's got he's got several of those moments where he just kind of you know uh, lands one on Jason throughout the episode, and then even into the next episode where he cont- kind of continues that banter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his and Jason's relationship is really interesting. Yeah, they rag on each other a lot. Yeah, uh, but in, 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 it's playful. It's playful. But he is so taken with Desiree, uh, he can't think. Uh, <laughs> 
it's I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I can't not See, think of it as weird. I don't I don't even know if he's really taken with Desiree as much as he has taken with the status of senior. Because because he, he thinks she's pretty obviously, but then when he finds out she's a senior, that's when it really elevates. Like it takes off and it's like not only is she pretty, but she's a senior, which gives me status and you know, therefore I'm fulfilled, you know. She I'm willing to do anything. Him. Yeah. She seems into him, you know, like the my shoes, my blouse, my right. my so he's just kind of like, oh, I got it. I'm in. Yeah. Um, that being said, yeah, this this meeting, as as much as I think this Desiree storyline is weird, and, you know, call it what you want, um, this, this meeting is cute. Like, this meeting is, like, not as problematic, even though what she's wearing boggles my mind. Right. As anything that a, like, real teenage girl would wear. <laughs> <laughs> other, other than that, like I think, I think this is a cute scene. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I like. It's, I've got no problems with it. Um, my problems definitely come later, and they've come previously. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. Problems stick around. Um, yeah, and then but then they they come out where Feeney and Janitor Bud are coming to. Uh, talk to Corey and Sean. Yeah. But well, Sean has now changed the principal's door oh, to Weenie. Yes. To Weenie. Changed the F to a W. Uh, he snuck in early to do it. And Corey, <clears> like, <throat> dabs yeah. a drip. Uh-huh. He's like, you gotta fix this smudge. Yeah. And gets it on his finger. Uh-huh. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. He's like, <gasps> He does a very good gasp. Yes. It's very funny. Um, But this is, uh, Janitor Bud accused him and uh, he says, uh, I saw him with my good eye. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is this where the line that you really is it, yeah that's my my favorite my favorite line comes on his exit that's my favorite line of the show when he says out of my way you little puke buckets you know as he's plowing back through but uh i thought that was probably the line of the episode I, I just imagine that that would be my my feeling toward every kid in a school if i was a janitor like you know i would just be looking at him as you know that's all they really are i mean they're the things that make the puke i have to clean up like it's that's all it is is there that much throwing up in high school working in an elementary school i would say yes kids are puke machines well it's a middle school too you gotta remember that's true but there's like they're in the senior hallway or the junior senior upper class hallway yeah that's a good point based on what we i I like to think that jk rowling wrote her uh uh, her her janitor rounds keeper in you know in attributing to bud like i like to think that there's some (laughs) parallel there yes (laughs) yeah janitor bud and And argus filch and filch Yes. I think they may be they may be cousins in in a in you know in a in, in a world that exists there if they're in the same you know multiverse if we want to call it that Bud way Filch. Or maybe Bud Filch <laughs> I love this I love this, uh... this greater canon we've created <laughs> uh, yeah, but then Mr Feeney knows Corey knows something and so he says you have until three thirty tomorrow three o'clock tomorrow we're gonna meet you're gonna tell me who it is or you're suspended yeah which seems crazy really I feel like suspension's a big deal yeah but I mean. This thing was circulated everywhere and changed. It's still just like a big, it seems very extreme like suspension as a punishment. But again, Feeney's pretty old school mm-hmm. in terms of his style. Cause it's like, you're not just like suspensions almost to certain kids. It might be like a gift to not have to go to school. But then it's also setting those same kids behind when they do come back. Cause I haven't been in school with that continual instruction. It's like yeah. suspension's kind of like an extreme punishment. I will admit, I never understood 
the concept of suspension because it always sounded like the goal to me, but not, <laughs> to not to be in school. Do you ever get suspended, Luke? I did get suspended once, but uh, yeah, up. I did. I did. And I, and it wasn't, it uh, wasn't anything, anything that happened on purpose. It was one of those things where I had, a, I had a pocket knife in my pocket once coming off of a weekend and I, and I threw it and uh, it, it, like I was in band, right? So, I mean, I was a real big threat, but I had a band <laughs> cubby and I threw it in the band cubby thinking, you know, okay, well, it's good. And well, of course, you know, the teacher just happened to be cleaning out the cubbies, you know, that day and came across this little pocket knife that was sitting in the cubby and it went to the principal and the principal called me in the office and dad came and I got suspended for three days. And you know, it wasn't because I was a bad kid. They knew I was a good kid, but it was on principle. So it was like, well, you know, if we, if we, we can't suspend other kids, if we don't suspend you. So it's like, you know, I don't know. It, it, it was more of a vacation than anything. Yeah. I was not a good kid. Um, but it was very difficult to punish me. <laughs> Like, because... You couldn't get anything to stick. Well, no, you could. But, like, I didn't show up to school fairly regularly just because I didn't want to. So suspending me isn't going to do any good. And, like, my parents weren't around. So calling my parents was kind of out. So you were untouchable. I didn't, like, I got in a lot of trouble. I got yelled at a lot. I got a lot of, like, the talks. And even Mm -hmm. had social workers called on me a few times. But never, like, it it was not really possible to get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, suspension just doesn't seem like mm. trouble. You're just a troubled. Suspension just doesn't seem like a punishment to me when I was. Young. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, then uh, Corey goes home. Um, this is when he has the talk with his parents. Like I have this friend who did something wrong, but I don't want to get him in trouble. Sean. Yeah, like Sean. <laughs> Sean. Sean. Right. Um, no. I, what were you gonna say? No. Well, he just says, "Think it's think it's Sean. Go ahead and think it's Sean. Good. Yeah. That's good for this yeah. other friend. It's good for you. Yeah. That, that this protects who it really." is which is actually a pretty that's a pretty good lie like mm-hmm. um, trying to play it along who else who else could it be yeah and then uh alan goes if he says it's sean let's believe it wasn't sean let's believe it wasn't sean and Corey immediately breaks of course it was sean <laughs> um, but here's my note about this scene and you, maybe you guys will agree with me maybe you won't i like this interaction with the parents mm-hmm. more than any interaction with the parents in this entire series so far yeah i i would agree i i think it shows well, first, first, well, it does a lot of things. But one of the things is for for they they are not fighting. They're they're definitely debating both sides of an issue and dialoguing. And and in the midst of it, they come to a conclusion, and immediately they're both on the same team. You know, and 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 they and they kind of deal out what the answer is. And you know, e- even though Alan, you know, agrees that we, we can't do it, but he's then by the end of it, he says, "Well, you're gonna have to bail on your friend because we're poor." You know, it's kind of just this really funny way of showing you know the way that parents can and should, you know, work together to come to a conclusion and, 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 and interacting that in front of their children to a point where they can actually visibly see like, like how this, uh, how this came to be, how we work together as a unit. Yeah. Which is definitely progress from what we've seen previously where Alan's like ready to fly off the handle and Amy has to like rein him back in, like go out of the scene and talk and come back or yeah, do these different things, but they're like working it out. Yeah. yeah. It just, it shows a very, very natural, 
natural friendship dynamic between the parents where it's almost like you know, this is a very common thing for us to banter in this way before we can come to a good formal conclusion about the way that we should move forward. And, and including Corey in that conversation to a point where he can give retort and he can kind of, you know, speak his thought on it, you know, from a seventh grader standpoint, you know, it's just, it was just kind of a cool way to do that. Yeah, I agree. And it's definitely showing like neither side is wrong. Even when they come to the conclusion of what they think Corey should do, it's not because it's the right thing to do. Like it's because he needs a good record to get into a good college, which just for everyone out there listening, if anyone ever threatens you with their permanent record does not exist, is not a thing. You have a transcript that has your grades on it. That's it. <laughs> is that right, Cameron? I, they don't keep anything, anything from elementary school anyway. No one's going to be oh. looking at that. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, colleges don't even check your grades past ninth grade. So pre ninth grade or yeah, pre ninth grade. Like past ninth grade. So it's like that'd be the time they'd want to know. Yeah, uh, the permanent record is a huge myth perpetrated by TV. Um, this guy's an insider. He knows. I thought it was the Hallmark Hallmark Corporation, isn't that yeah. Hallmark? The, 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 company. the card companies. The yeah. Card company. Um, but yeah, I actually learned that in my college years uh, from Buffy. And oh. it turns out it's true. There's no such thing as your permanent record. Good to know. That doesn't really affect me, actually. Uh, well, it, it would have affected you if you were in high school and people were threatening you with things like your permanent record. Mm, they weren't. <laughs> I was a goody two-shoes. It's true. But yeah, permanent records, not a thing. Transcripts are, but again, that's just grades. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they talk about uh, Corey's permanent record and getting a suspension and how that one would go to colleges and Gallon says it doesn't matter if you have a good permanent record if you've got money you can go to college like do we have money you have to ride on your phone because we're poor <laughs> Right. <laughs> which is very relatable uh-huh. very relatable maybe based on a false premise but relatable already starting early with that 90s particularly 90s myth that you have to go to college to be successful it's true it's true we can i can go on forever about the bachelor we'll, degree being the new high school diploma we'll get in on that later <laughs> um but yeah i have a note that just says eric is already dumb and i don't know what it's in reference to i had that well about, I, it, I also didn't write it down but what exactly i think that uh well it, it just may be the sliding scale of uh of eric you know going into his uh you know what eventually he ends up as the comic relief in the show right i mean that, that's that what happens as the series progresses and uh but i think that that's that it's probably just trying to figure out how he got there i'm dating a senior i'm special he does say that i'm dating a senior i'm special yeah um and then we get uh the new prank um uh-huh. the Which, new newspaper article we'd like to print a correction we meant to say his name is weenie 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 Weenie, 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 weenie. Continued on page three. <laughs> Which turns out that was done by Joey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get this really weird relationship between the three bullies that I'm not sure I fully understand, but I do fully love. We're like, we did it for you, Harley. Like it was. An yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's the Gaston LeFou relationship, right? It's the it's the oh, whole yeah. yeah. It's the whole dynamic of going like they're enamored by you know Harley, their mob boss, right? And they they'll do anything for him, and the, you know it, it even it even takes place right after that when he says I, I want to blow my nose on that kid and he says hey you know hey kid you know it's your lucky day right or, or whatever he says it's like it's you get to be the one that takes on the honor of having your nose blown on you know uh, mm-hmm. on, on you get to wear Harley's snot you lucky guy mm-hmm. Harley's like may I say that right now I'm having a moment <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just the tenderness you see from these three. Yeah, it's just a different side of a school bully. Yeah, it's they're definitely layered characters for sure. Especially Frankie. Especially. We'll get there. But we'll get there, yeah. Um, And then we get maybe my favorite part of the entire episode, which is Eric and Desiree in the hallway. (laughs) Who's your little Georgia peach? (laughs) And who's my little Yankee doodle? This this scene is very funny. It's also very kinky. I'm just going to throw that out there. We don't have to talk about it anymore. But I'd appreciate it if you say that word a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my fault, Cameron. I mean, you're the one reading into it. I, th- it doesn't take much to read into it. <laughs> um, but yeah. You're minding the gutter. <laughs> I'm going to go to all the good stores while you take my cat to get neutered. <laughs> You know, there's just a, a bit of winter in the air. Could you drive the block around a few times? Around right, the, the block of 40 minutes with the heater on so it's nice and toasty. <laughs> it's, mm, it's not good. It's she is from Georgia. She's not used to the cold. Also, it's like three episodes in. It's probably September. Early September. It's still pretty warm. Yeah. What's your deal, Desiree? <laughs> uh, I think she just, you know... She, I, I don't know. Anyway, enough of this. It's very—it's a very funny scene. Her line delivery. Oh, she's so good. It's pretty great. I, it's got to be a fake accent, right? Surely. I didn't look her up. It's too it, her deal. It's too over. I don't think her name is Shirley, though. I think it's. Uh... <laughs> and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> that was a dad joke, which is allowed because you're a father. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'll I, try not to let too many of them slip. Um, <laughs> just let it fly. Yeah, let us know if you know. Uh, out there in podcastville if this is a real accent or not it's way too over the top for me i've got to assume it's fake must be but luke if you and micah my sister-in-law are looking for cute pet names for each other may i yes georgia uh, peach and yankee doodle uh, that's actually i just i just changed her contact name in my phone to georgia peach so i'm i'm hoping she'll fall and follow in suit and uh Mm -hmm. that i will be yankee doodle before the night is over I'll let you know how it turns out. Okay, I appreciate it. I'll keep you all updated. Okay. Well, the the, the pet name goings on of <laughs> sister-in-law and not brother-in-law. The Lane Garrison um, clan. Mix-up. Yeah. So Rowdy Bunch. <laughs> Uh, now we have Corey back on the scene, uh, same hallway, and Feeney's walking by reading the paper, uh, the new weenie prank. <laughs> weenie, 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 weenie. And he's like, Corey, you gotta, I can't wait until we talk, uh, talk about this. And then he and Sean have a conversation about, you know, him protecting him. He does bring up the cherry bomb incident, mm-hmm. which is good continuity. Good continuity in this episode. Mm-hmm. Talking about he's already on thin ice and his dad's gonna send him to military school. Yep. Does military school cost money? Can you? just send any child to military school the only thing is another tv thing the only thing i know about military school is what i saw in cadet kelly i'm not gonna lie to you (laughs) i don't know anything about military school what i mean i imagine there's such a thing but i feel like you'd have to pay money to go to it Hmm. i have no Mm -hmm. idea i feel like military school i know but i'm just like their family's poor how's he gonna send them off to military school well and maybe it's just an idle threat like you know it's not right just like your permanent record i mean mm-hmm. the cadet kelly school does seem like it would be a costly place mm-hmm. i guess i remember kids in high school 
school would have to like go to like boot camp when they act like were in a lot of trouble. But I, that was just like a weekend or something. I, I went to boot camp and I wasn't in any trouble at all. It was a whole different experience though. So you chose between my that's right. I I signed a piece of paper. So they said they were going to give me money. I never saw much of it. <laughs> okay, must have been um, it was like a was it the million dollar wound? Like in right. Uh, I guess the guy. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I've seen one nickel in that million dollars. <laughs> you got man, your accent. It's on point. <laughs> no, accent. That wasn't a George accent. Oh yeah. I could I could really see the subtle nuance. You could tell, yes. It's all in the throat. Um, and this is where we get a very interesting piece of information for this episode. They both start and end the day in English class, apparently. So mm. they, they really value English. Maybe it's like their homeroom teacher and then their English teacher. Did you have homeroom? We never did. I never did. See, I was gonna, but but that doesn't really make sense because they're talking about the book in both classes, are they not? I thought yeah. early maybe they're on some the sort of ro- rotating schedule, um, you know, where where their period shifts every day. That could be. Wasn't when Mr. Feeney came in before the previous day? It was, and then now it's the next day. But we know from previous episodes that their first class of the day mm-hmm. is English. It's English. So maybe you're right. Maybe but, you just have different periods at different times every day, which seems like, like chaos. But no one, no one can enjoy that. I <laughs> Our high school here in Norman do have a homeroom that's like short. It's like right. It's kind of like start the day. Here's kind of the announcements. Here's what's going on. Then going your way. So maybe we had one of those in Ponca too. Yeah. Okay. I, I never did it in any of my schools. I didn't either. And my first period, my junior and senior year at that school was banned because right. Then we could start early, especially in marching season, to like right. be out there pounding the pavement. Now us figuring this out isn't going to survive the next episode. I already know. Yeah. Because yeah. But period English class. Fourth period. Getting this class, but so that maybe they start the day at 20 minutes in Turner's, then end the day with English. Now we won't bring up what's going to happen in the next episode with this, but there we go. We're, we got that. They just really love and value English. Well, as you can tell, when you when you have to read a book a week, they need to spend some real time in there. Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot to unpack. One of them is just them reading. It's just an hour's worth of them. It's a reading, a reading period. Um, maybe it's study hall with Turner. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot written about the ending of this episode, except that I really like it. I think it's a great life is complicated lesson. Uh-huh. And I think also the lesson of just like when Turner sits down with Corey mm-hmm. and is kind of talking through the situation. It's like, let's think about it. Like you're new here at the school trying to make a name for yourself. Imagine if I did that to you and I called you Booger and then everybody calls you that the rest of your time. Same thing with Mr. Feeney. Like it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Like people are complicated and you have power and you have like the freedom to say things and to do things to an extent, probably changing a typo in a newspaper is under your freedom of what you're allowed to do as a person. That was shady. But like you have a responsibility to like care for people. Not just to do whatever you want. Well, and that and that carries over into Corey's, you know, apology to Feeney whenever he's sitting in the office, you know, going, mm-hmm. he didn't, you know, he didn't mean to hurt you. And and you got to think that that even Feeney is sitting there, and, and maybe that was even somewhat accepted, you know, at that point in time of Feeney going, you know, right, you know, this this kid isn't the, the children from my past. You know, these are the, these are, these aren't the same kids as were in my grade school when I was coming up and I was hurt by this. You know, there's almost an acceptance of the fact that you know he's an adult now and 
and you know he's even though he's still dealing with the same name that you know that followed him through uh through school you know he's able to put that aside and see that you know friendship's more important yeah yeah and everyone just going off of that everyone is telling Corey the entire time how like his parents are arguing back and forth of what he should do Sean's fully on the side of you shouldn't um even Turner's like so you're telling me I should tell my friend no you're telling me I shouldn't I'm not saying that either what are you saying I was hoping you'd know like everyone's telling him complicated. sometimes that's how it feels yeah you like give a kid advice and they're like so what should i do man i don't know either yeah but i just think you need to process it like like, like something. but then you're like when you get into feeney's office you're expecting it to be like feeney totally on the side of right on your friend but even feeney himself like you were saying is just like you know as your teacher right I never expected you to ever do this. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, and he even like commends him for like mm-hmm. caring about his friend. Like yeah. that's an important thing, which ties back even again to the fugitive of like showing that Corey really cares for Sean yeah. and like looks out for him and like their relationship is strong. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, I think it's a really good ending. I think it is a great ending to this whole thing. Um, back in Once in Love with Amy, we, we talked about how the problem that Mr. Feeney was presenting and the problem with the parents was all about how life was more complicated than simple answers mm-hmm. but it just completely whiffed yeah it whiffed in terms it of bad. landing that lesson but they right. got here yeah this is good this is good boy meets world like nuance lesson making and this episode also I, I guess I'm kind of getting into episode wrap up so if you guys have anything else to say no I'm there I, I, yeah I, I'm, I think we're at a good point here like oh <laughs> uh, yeah well just get jumping in like I think this episode I think the lesson's really good at the end and I think this is one of the more successful B plots we've had in an episode um, yeah. you know I, I've been I've been joking a lot and talking about how there's some uncomfortableness in this B plot with Eric mm-hmm. but at the same time like I laughed a lot I thought it was funny um, I thought it was good comic relief so I liked this episode a lot um, I guess I'd give my rating because I'm already in wrap up even uh-huh. <laughs> we weren't there um, I, I gave this a 7.5 I might actually kick it up to an 8 um, because I'll Upon talking about it, I really think this episode works pretty well together. Yeah. What um, did you What did you rate it, Luke? Uh, actually, I was yeah, I was looking at it seven between a seven and an eight too. I thought, I mean, I was really uh, uh, again like I, I think that the thing that really turned the episode. It, it's funny because you look at different things as an adult than you do as a kid, right? Like mm-hmm. like when you're watching it as from an adult perspective with children, you're almost looking at what Amy and Alan are doing more than you would have ever looked at that as a kid, you know, and and, and kind of that standpoint. So like I, I'd almost give it to it just just from that standpoint of going like it, it was cool to watch the interaction as far as between them you know coupling and trying to decide what they're going to do and how they're going to you know give advice and and all of that um uh you know you gotta you gotta love uh, the jason desiree eric interaction and some of those other things i just felt like it was a really it, it, it wasn't just a good story it was a good sub story too and you know so and and both of them started right at the beginning or you know right right at the front of it and carried all the way through and you know eric's story carries over and so um so really good way of delicately handling both of those stories which were different um and and pushing them forward and also i think one of the coolest parts about this particular one is sean and eric are really chasing the same dream at this point like you've got Corey that really isn't you know but sean and eric are sean and eric are both on this course of going i want fame i want status and and Corey doesn't isn't really messing with that yet it isn't actually till a couple episodes from now and you guys know coming up you know where all of a sudden he, he feels like he needs to have some popularity but um but uh but really at this point you know he 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 and uh, sean and eric are both kind of 
faced with and chasing the same dream that every kid is, you know, about um, high school age of going, where do I fit? How do I make sure that I'm, you know, among the top, you know, how, how can I be seen? How can I be noticed? You know, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basically the entire plot of all three seasons of Girl Meets World. Yeah. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> so what, what is your rating? Did you give it? I don't remember. Uh, I, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it was an eight, an eight out of 10. All right. So you and I have the same score of eight out of 10. Cameron? Yeah, yeah. sort of fluctuating, but I think um, I'll settle on an eight as well. I, just thinking like what our baseline average is kind of the start of this season, I just feel like it's there, but then more. Mm -hmm. Like it just does it really well, tying all the threads together, dealing with kind of a nuanced idea really well. Yeah. I, I gave the last, <clears throat> both of the last two episodes seven points fives um just because i thought they were maybe a little better than average mm -hmm. but this is so much this is better this is a better episode than pairing off by far so for sure so yeah uh what do we think about an mvp I have an idea, but mm -hmm. I was kind of torn between Corey and Eric, um, just I feel like both their presences were like really good, um, but they both in their separate parts like carry mm -hmm. the episode. I, I my MVP is is Corey is the one I wanted to submit for consideration. What do you think, Luke? I think it was Bud. I mean, really, without Bud. <laughs> <you> <laughs> Yeah, if we didn't have Bud, they would never have known yeah, it was them. Yeah, Bud, you've, you've got no story without Bud. I mean, if you really think about that, uh, he's, <laughs> he's involved in all of it uh, from the get-go. Oh, Janitor <laughs> No, I think, I think you're right. I think Corey definitely holds, uh, I mean, the, the, the PowerPoint in it, you know, and, and, and really all the way up until the very end, not knowing what he's going to do, but airing and going with his gut when he's sitting in the room with Feeney. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think he just, he does well it carries the tension really well yeah so i think Corey mvp what title did you give it luke well uh you know i thought about this a lot and and you know i definitely did notice a lot of the subtle nuances that i didn't think were um were as evident as a child as they were as an adult um as well as everything else that came in so i think that the appropriate title for this episode is boy meets mr weenie uh that's a good one mm -hmm. i had boy meets weenie but i think mr really adds to it i also said boy meets georgia <laughs> Peach, but George Peach. Thing, but I just think it's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my little joke. Boy meets uh, submission kink. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I did Boy Meets Headline, but I think Boy Meets Mr. Boy Weenie. Boy Meets Mr. Weenie. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> official. So I think our first episode we renamed Boy Meets Feeny. Yeah. Mm. So naming this Boy Meets Mr. Weenie. Boy Meets Mr. Works, works there. Really Mr. Teeny, Mr. Deeny, <laughs> Mr. Veeny, and then Weenie. Weenie. All right. Um, I think we've done it. I think we've done uh, 203. All right. And now we are moving we'll on. Move on. Two oh four, me and Mr. Joe, and I guess it's my summary. Uh -huh. um, Do we want our guests to summarize? We've never done this before. Oh, it's true. oh boy, guests. Do you want to summarize? That makes me. I feel like I need to go back and look at my notes. If that's the case, I, I think you I can. Uh, I mean, our summaries are really bad every time, anyway. Yes. Let's let's see if I if, if I did this. So are we, are we are are we going now, or are we going to introduce it first, and then is that like what? How are we how are we jumping in here? I could okay. probably yeah I think synopsis just, just give us the synopsis, synopsis. Okay. so the, the the synopsis we're looking at um, Mr. Turner uh, is is taking the the uh, the seventh grade class through the grapes of wrath um, so we have that happening on on one side where Mr. Turner's trying to trying to get them to 
think, you know, and actually work through the book instead of, instead of just thinking toward the test. And, uh, and so he's doing that in the midst of that, you know, there, there's, there are some fireworks because he says that uh, the, the test is going to be, uh, there, there won't be a test as long as they read the material and they do what they're supposed to. Um, it breaks into uh, a place where there's almost a, a bet that's made between Feeney and Turner, whether or not this is actually uh, not radical thinking. And, uh, and so they work through that sequence at the same time you have the continuation of uh, Desiree and uh, Eric's uh, love relationship where you know Eric's struggling between that and uh, and Jason um, and uh, and their friendship there and so you have both of these things working at the same time uh, and the class kind of comes up in a riot and and uh, moves together kind of formulating the grapes of wrath and that's kind of uh, what what brings it up to um, climax and then you know it levels out at the end there so um, at the end of the show I, I guess I don't, I don't know how much detail we get to the end until we're actually talking through it. So, does that work? Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. I mean, we don't really know either. <laughs> Just making it up as we go along. Oh, good, good, good. That's my favorite kind. Yeah, it works. Much a part of the mythos as we are now. Yep. Yes. Um, so we, the first thing we can do is add another book to our list, The Grapes of Wrath, um, which never read. Uh, really? Never read it. Oh. I haven't either. No. The only Steinbeck I read in school was Of Mice and Men, which is mm. a lot shorter. Right. Also very sad. Well, Grapes of Wrath isn't exactly happening. I'm not saying. Uh, I'll be. I was. I was a little confused at first because. Because for some reason, when they were talking about Grapes of Wrath, I was thinking, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Which is a completely, no, no, no. <laughs> completely different uh, story. So The VeggieTales Grapes of Wrath episode. <laughs> Yeah, that is a good one. I got, Chances I'm following here. I got nothing. Oh. Um, <laughs> I didn't see one veggie tail uh, in my entire life. Um, Which I, one was it? Was it was it Larry or was it Bob? I just imagine if it's just one veggie tail. There was a giant chocolate bunny. Ah, okay. The bunny. Yes, that's a good one. If you're going to see one, that's the one to see. Okay. Uh, my my an ex-girlfriend couldn't believe I had never seen a veggie tail. Apparently, I'm supposed to say veggie tails, but a singular one would be a veggie tail in my mind. That's true. It would be just one right um, and she could not believe that I had not seen it so on a date we watched that one and then she showed me all of the songs the silly songs silly songs with Larry correct yeah. Yeah, let's go with that <laughs> this has been our divergence into Veggie Tales. this is our, our backdoor pilot to our Veggie Tales podcast that I am terrible at that's um, the real fun I, he's never seen it I feel very powerful <laughs> right now that I am the only one who has read this book oh good good for you <laughs> um, I, I don't know that I've ever been the only person to read i mean i i read but i feel like everyone else reads more i don't know but i don't think anybody reads like cameron reads cameron reads an awful lot not these days well, maybe now no. because we're just at home what else am i supposed yeah. to yeah yeah um but yeah so the graves rather is a great book um i really like it you would not be able to understand it reading it page by page backwards <laughs> Mm. That tends to be true for most things. <laughs> My question, was he reading from the bottom right to the top left and then going? Or was he like reading, like, here's this page and then I go to this page and read it normal? Yeah. How is how is he reading it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a bad idea no matter how you slice it. Oh, so. yeah. 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 It's it's terrible either way. Mm. But then I'll know, know what happens. Like, well, it seems, though, that he, he manages to figure it out as you go into the next day and he has a very good, you know, summary <laughs> of. Okay. of what's happening yet. so whatever, he's cracked it whatever it is it works for him um, if I am questioning whether or not I want to read a book I have been known to read the last page to see how Sacrilege. it ends um, yeah I agree uh, you 
you agree that it's sacrilege? Yes. I, I, I've never, I mean, I think that I used to do that. Like when I was, when I was small, like when I, you know, when you didn't want to have to read the whole thing. And so I'd, I'd skip forward, but, but now I just feel like it would ruin the whole thing. Well, endings are very important to me. So knowing <laughs> if an ending is going to be good or not is a, like, it's pretty important to my, whether or not I'm going to read it. It's not a thing I do. Like if I know I'm going to read this book, like it's an author I really like or a series I really like, but I'm like, huh, I wonder. So I'll maybe read the last page. I know, I, I actually know quite a few women, actually, now that I think about it, almost all of them, who will read the last chapter before they read the last mm-hmm. book because they don't like the tension of like not knowing if things are going to work out. Huh. Right. Well, you're not the first person I've heard say that before uh, as far as reading the last page or the last bit. Like, it, that does seem like it's a pretty a common thing among some. I don't, it makes me, the first thing it makes me want to ask is what your Enneagram number is because I feel like that would, you know, it plays into the psyche of, you know, eating, we're reading that last page of the book, you know, it's like, no chance. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I kind of know what it is. Someone did my test once, and I think I was a six or something. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what that means. Six for sure. No, I'm, I'm not really it's like I, I knew that about you. I think Mike is a nine too. I'm a two, so it's a that's a. If anybody's worried about that, now everybody knows. There, there are probably a lot of people that people that live by this, you know. So am I? Am I? Am I a six? I don't know. I don't know what they mean other than nine. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. something about something being cerebral. I don't know, but. If I thought of a word to describe chance, cerebral is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't do enneagram. Um, yeah, sixes generally aren't 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 quick to issue trust. That it's something that's very much earned. So does that sound that sound about right? Um, yes. <laughs> if we're wrong, we're definitely going to hear about it because people who are into enneagram just automatically know. When yeah, they do. And they do. So this yeah. is gonna build our audience when we're there. It, it very well. It very well may. Um, uh, this is our pilot of assigning enneagram numbers to all the characters of boys. Boys, boys meet enneagram. <laughs> We're the boys. Um, yeah. So anyway, back to the kitchen scene. Speaking of tests, um, back to the kitchen scene. Uh, we got Corey reading the book backwards, which his mom is oddly supportive. <laughs> Maybe she's just proud that he's trying for once. That's how I took it. Uh, like, it did seem that way. Yeah. Thank goodness you're at least putting in some effort. She does say, "Not as good as your plan." to take all 30 showers at the beginning of the month and his response is I was way too clean in February mm-hmm. took too many showers what month was too short <laughs> sure um, I, I thought it was very funny yeah, and Eric comes uh, down off to run some errands for Desiree mm-hmm. Amy's trying to stop him yeah. he breaks her ankles he jukes her out well that's true he does juke her um, yeah so it's the new slang the kids are saying this. And he, he she yells I don't know what hold this woman has over you and He's like, you'd like that, wouldn't you? You'd like it if she didn't get her something. <laughs> so um, it's Conditioner. weird. Shampoo. Um, he does have a pager, which for some reason, every time I see a pager in a show, I'm just delighted. I'm just delighted. Like a technology alert. Listen, there's, and there, just just to give a little bit, I, I don't know if you guys have, if you guys watched the pager through this episode, but there's some interesting things that happen with that pager as you're following through this, through this particular episode of Boy Meets World. I, I want to know them. I, oh, I, it's, it, it's coming as we move forward. I, I've got I've got a theory behind this episode that is going to be different than I think what uh, what others might think. Gotcha. It's like the bullet in Hamilton. We 
rewatch the one character. Yeah. He symbolizes yep. Yep. throughout the whole epi- throughout the whole musical. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got. Yeah, the first when after King George sings his song and then comes and he like slashes the throat of one of the colonists. Like that particular a member of the cast of the like the chorus throughout the whole rest of the play is called the bullet, and she mm-hmm. is basically death throughout the play, and every character that she interacts with dies in some way at the end as they fire the bullet that's going to kill Hamilton. Spoiler alert. Not really. They say it in the very first song. Um, it is history. She's the, also <laughs> that. It, apparently today is the anniversary of that actually. But she's the bullet that is like, she catches it and as he's soliloquizing, she, she, they're like moving her slowly to eventually kill him. Uh-oh. So the pager is like the bullet. Okay. It I, definitely I follows a sequence. <laughs> okay. I'm excited to, to learn more yeah. about this pager. Yes. There's some, I, I hope I haven't I haven't lifted it too much, but hopefully people will listen and, and, and hold because I think that there is some significance to the pager. All right. <clears throat> um, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, then we cut back to the classroom mm-hmm. um, where Turner needs to get his feet off of students' desks. And you don't do that. Stop this. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable and I am not even a good student. <laughs> Um, we gave him a lot of guff for that in the last episode, and I don't remember him doing it in the episode uh-huh. before this one. He does a FERPA violation in the previous episode. Oh, what's his FERPA violation? Well, he just says that Corey's never seen an A. He's not uh-huh. kind of dragging him on his grades. He shouldn't do that. I guess that's true. It's it's unethical. Don't laugh at Matthews. He has never seen He's an never A. never even seen an A. That's <laughs> um, it is very funny, but it's also unethical. Yeah, get your feet off of these kids' desks. He sits on their desks while talking to other students. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, while the students are at the desk. Mm-hmm. Like it's an empty desk that he's sitting on or leaning. Yeah, yeah, he's, I don't know. That's way closer than I ever wanted to be to any of my teachers. Or people, yeah. generally. Um, but yeah, so Turner is teaching in the book. He has someone to summarize it. And like you've already said, Corey does a great job, apparently. Whatever. To everyone's amazement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what just happened? <laughs> Which is a really funny reaction. It's a really funny reaction. Um, to what just happened. Uh-huh. We should say it a few more times. Anyway. What just happened? And yeah, the the idea kind of comes down to like unionization. And he says like powerful people will exploit people until they organize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a, a greater lesson about not maybe uh, unions in the way we know them, but... But as a, as a concept. Yeah, uh, which never happens in Grapes of Wrath, but I guess the idea is that if they would have, mm-hmm. things would have been... Like organized uh, together. Yeah. It would have been... Not that I've ever read it again. Yeah. Uh, if... Uh, we, we're, we're all in Oklahoma right now, so... Uh, that book is what popularized the term Oki that now Oklahoma's mm. glad, uh, widely used. Um, so that's kind of fun. I remember one time when we lived in Massachusetts and one of my wife's co-workers asked her if she thought it was offensive to be referred to as an Oki from Muskogee. And we were just like, huh? Because I, I mean, it's the song. Sure. It's just kind of like, why would that be offensive? But also that's a particular town that I'm not from. So I'm not. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to be honest. So, I mean, at that point in history, probably was offensive a quick a quick diversion but generally slurs belong to the culture that they are used to oppress so we claim it the culture that's used to oppress the slur gets to decide what's done with it the n-word just think of other words i don't (laughs) want to go through them i don't need to make a list here's all the racial slurs and other terms that are (laughs) used to denigrate people and we're just going to list them all right now the the people that are 
are used in the oppression when that word get to decide what to do with it. And Oklahomans were you the word Okie was used as a word of oppression for people from Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl. Um, but we, well, actually from all over the Midwest, because they even called people from Kansas and Nebraska Okies. Oh, I bet they well. hated that. Um, but we decided we're just going to claim it. So Oklahomans are not uh, Oklahomans are not offended by the word Okie. I mean, there may be one somewhere. <laughs> But, There's always someone that's offended. We just need to find them. people. Yeah. yeah. But most people from Oklahoma have just accepted the word. So, uh, but yeah, reclaimed it. Uh, reclaimed it and just kind of gone with it as a... Yes. Kind of erased from collective memory. Yeah. So uh, that's what they're talking about. Um, and But every, every time they're trying to talk about the greater themes, someone will bring up a question about the test. What's on the test? When is the test? Are there Where can I find that in the book for the test? Yeah. Um, so Turner makes what I think is a very reasonable thing especially considering that one of his biggest slackers read the book read the book (laughs) like he's like you know if you read the book no test well and and certainly like it doesn't seem foreign to us now especially considering that essentially what he's ascribing to is an oral test it's not it's just not going to be a written formatted Mm -hmm. test and we want you to participate in the class discussion and know the material i mean it's it's just not done through uh an assessment, like a formal sure. assessment. Yeah, and the kids are into it. They're like, yeah. Yeah, and as a teacher, emphasis on tests is dumb. Standardized tests are dumb. I don't like them. Nobody likes them, except for the people that make all the money from them who also make the decisions. Yeah, just putting it out there. I, I don't know about you guys, but I will come down on the side of Feeney and most of the adults in this episode are wrong throughout mm-hmm. most of this. So. Maybe the way the kids went about some of the things was a bit extreme. I don't know. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, we cut to the cafeteria um, where we have to throw <laughs> out the entirety of what we talked about uh, last uh, last episode where English is the start and the end of the day because Mr. Feeney refers to them as the fourth period English class. <laughs> Right. So apparently they get to school, they go to English class for 20 minutes. One, English time one. Yes. Maybe that is just a homeroom where they, they get the announcements. And they stuff. go to math. They go to health. Health class. We've seen them in health class. Then they go back to English again. Then they go to lunch. Then they go to Who knows? science, maybe. History. History. And English again. English, yeah. right. So that's the day of the life of a seventh grader at John Adams High. Well, it's uh, definitely different than it was. You know, we, we're definitely more math and science focused I think in in Oklahoma and maybe that's where we're going wrong is we're not putting enough English emphasis on English that's our problem yeah we're we're not sending them to three English classes a day what fools (laughs) I'm gonna have to talk to my administrator about this Um, (laughs) but you know Feeney has a has the same basic argument with uh, before we get there though okay when he says everybody seems so happy from your class and Turner's like it's probably because it's international day in the cafeteria and no thing lights up a face like a, a kid's face like a big bowl of hummus. <laughs> really <laughs> made me laugh. And and if if only they knew what hummus was going to become in the in the uh, in the late two thousands, you know, as far as the uh, just the up the uprising of hummus again is what it seems like. Uh, everybody's eating hummus these days. It's true. It's it's the cranberry of our times. It is. Okay, I'll go with. I that. agree. I agree. <laughs> I like that. Cranberry um, was in everything. Cran apple, cran grape. You're right. You're right. There's a comedian that had a joke about that. I think it was 
how it probably was. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is like dessert hummuses now. So uh-huh. um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the a, chickpea is a marvelous. I I, I would say it's a new alternative to salsa. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. maybe something very prevalent out there. Well, now the avocado is also the alternative to lettuce. It seems nowadays as well. Which I'm totally for because I love avocado. It just seems like a very yeah. expensive alternative. It very is. It very much is, but worth it if you if you like the healthy fat. If there's such a thing. Yeah. Um, on keto. If you're on the keto. <laughs> I just I think avocado tastes good and it lettuce, lettuce tastes like tastes, trash. Lettuce tastes like nothing. But uh, bad dirt. Yeah. Uh, like a leaf. Uh, uh, so uh, let's go to the the table with the teachers. Um, they basically have the same argument they had in episode one uh-huh. of this season. They're always like squaring off yeah. against each other. It's yeah. the it's the earring boy argument. So that's that's uh, that they should be chronicled as that. The earring boy just, argument. Uh, earring boy. The earring boy arguments. Yeah. Um, but Feeney is adamant. These kids are not going to learn anything without a test. Uh-huh. It's like they need accountability. And the way we keep them accountable is we take a test. So he's halfway right. Accountability is important. Testing is not the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's, I mean, he is very adamant about it. They make a bet. And let's not- just take off our clothes and run willy-nilly through the woods. <laughs> Mr. Feeney says. <laughs> getting rid of tests yeah because it's definitely the same thing guys mr feeney is mean in this episode i he is not likable yeah because anytime he's set off against mr turner like they do such good work to make mr turner likable Mm -hmm. but then anytime they had to set up the two of them he's like a foil to turner yeah i don't know i think that it's it's an it's an odd thing that happens there though because turner really does like agree to like towering you know very quickly you know as far as like oh yeah you know we will give him a test then we'll see who's right which which really kind of you know you'd think that he would who would have thought at that point no i already said that i wasn't going to give him a test how about if the assessment is let's see how well they know it without taking a test you can come and listen to the oral argument and and you can tell me what you think essentially that's what happens by the end of the argument the the end of the episode is sean and Corey are giving their oral presentation in the backyard you know that's fast forward but if he right up into the end is all about tests but then he's like, see, and they did that without a test. He's like, what did they just go through? It's like, what? What are you talking about, Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney, if you would just let that be the thing earlier. They wouldn't have had to go through all of this mess. Yeah. Though I had to say it was very delightful. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a good episode. I had a great time. But it could have Yeah, you, you say that. But I still think that the crowning the crowning place in this episode is not happening on this storyline. It's Eric's storyline. Yes. Which we're getting to next scene. Next scene, yeah. Because next scene, I have written down, and I don't think this totally, but especially, but in this scene, I've written down Amy MVP <laughs> because <laughs> she is great in this scene with Eric as he tries to skip out on the basketball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that scene? Um, yeah. So Jason comes, sweet talks to Amy, calls her hot. Yeah, sure. essentially said if they made a Baywatch, the next generation she'd be a shoe in. Mm-hmm. It's very uncomfortable, <laughs> but whatever. Um, um, but then he's supposed to go play basketball with Eric, but Eric is going to do Des- Desiree's bidding, whatever it is that she wants him to do. And so they kind of try to team up to stop him from doing so, which ends in Amy spraying Eric in the crotch with the little nozzle, spray yeah. nozzle. I had a friend tell me that that's what it's called. A spray nozzle? Spray nozzle from the faucet, because I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> Way back when. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really like the line. Uh, I really like the line, if you keep doing this, I won't be held responsible for what I'm going to do. And then she sprays him right in the crotch. 
much, making it look like he wet himself. Classic. So, so this is the first point we need to talk about that pager, right? So, the, so because the pager goes off, which is why he's freaking out in the first place, right? And he's kind of back and forth with his mom. She says, "You go near that faucet. You, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spray you, right?" And he does. And at that point in time, Jason's already entered the scene. He's he's in it. He and Amy are kind of in this back and forth. You know, like we're gonna we're gonna stop him together, kind of a thing. But what happens right then is as he gets squirted, that pager comes off of him, and Jason is holding the pager for a minute. And if you're watching, Jason puts the pager in his back pocket as Eric is after Eric shoots up the stairs. As he's opening the door for Denise to come in, he places Eric's pager in his back pocket. Mm. So let's oh. let's leave let's leave the thought there for a minute as we continue to move through yeah. well, the I rest of the sequence of events. Okay, I'm I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I am too. I have a question. Do you think Desiree's family owns slaves? <laughs> I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so too. She definitely has got something going on there. She's like very entitled, Atlanta, Georgia. Just like so many things about her, just like probably benefited from that at some point. I, I mean, I agree. In a darker way, I would say Desiree has probably owned slaves. But <laughs> okay, well, she's yes. well, not in a Eric. darker way. A more more inappropriate <laughs> no still inappropriate i don't you guys all know what it's, i'm saying slavery is Wait a minute. great chance you're right <laughs> yes it wasn't good um but yeah so yeah, that is a good question <laughs> just in this scene as she came in she just seemed very entitled very southern jason points out north against south rematch right now <laughs> Let's fight again. And uh, yeah, it's just like, wouldn't surprise me. Jason, Jason gets picked on a lot throughout this scene. It's, uh, mm-hmm. he, gets, he gets beat up a lot uh, by, by both Eric and uh, by Desiree. Mm-hmm. He's called an elf. Yeah, I do. And then he gives a very, a very famous line there at the end, if you, if you, if you caught that, uh, the, the I am a human being line. Right. Yes. Uh, which is uh, which is nineteen. Uh, what is that? Nineteen uh, nineteen eighty. That's uh, the Elephant Man. Right. It's a classic <laughs> uh, classic movie. Yeah. So uh, so the classic movie. Uh, there's a scene where the Elephant Man is essentially running from this mass of people that keep on hurling at him and they're they're yelling at him and, and saying all these ugly things toward him as he goes down and, he, and he's cornered by them and he turns to him and his you know his hood is off and it shows his uh, gorish face and he says i am a human being right he tells other people that and and it's funny the way jason does it because he mimics it almost perfectly but but if you look at that going backward you can almost see how he's been treated poorly over and over and over again throughout this relationship and then lands that line i am a human being right before he leaves after being called a dwarf you know Uh it's funny because she calls him an elf his his elfin friend and then he makes a reference to the elephant man if he maybe Mm -hmm. misunderstand her (laughs) as he was leaving so he makes a reference to the elephant man maybe i didn't realize it was an elephant man reference so i knew i wrote it down just because i thought it's funny Uh, oh yeah i i do like how she says aren't you a little teat I, that was, in my mind, very fun. Also rude. But yeah, that's a great take. I didn't know about the Elephant Man reference, so you're right. Ever since uh, Eric threw his books, he's just been kind of beat up in this, beat up in this episode. Uh, yeah. These two episodes. So, um, what is the next scene? They're back at school. Ah, uh, yes. In Turner's class. Um, Sean the up. This is the uprising. Yeah, yeah, the uprising. Sean makes a reference to li- living in a trailer park. Mm-hmm. He's like, sounds like bingo night at the trailer park. Yeah. So. We don't know if he lives there, 
there. We know he's got an uncle that lives in a trailer mm-hmm. park, but it's starting to look like. Yeah, it sounds like he lives there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I say we can't put it on the official timeline just yet, but okay. um, but yeah, we're definitely getting mm-hmm. there. But then Sean does say, I even read the book. And everyone, everybody gasped. Everyone's just like, <sighs> <laughs> what it was crazy it was very funny and turner does his best backpedal we got to show feeney that we can learn the material without a test so we're just going to answer some questions on this piece of paper <laughs> it's a survey right. <laughs> which i mean i get it this is a test <laughs> um Corey gives him gives the test back to him and everyone's like wait you can do that we can we can do that uh they all give it back and feeny comes in yeah very upset feeny is the villain of this episode uh-huh. and he's very funny it's it's an interesting spot in there you know where, where Corey takes on another position where i don't think Corey ever really realizes that he's the leader of anything you know i think that he always has this way of thinking that somehow sean is actually leading the effort even though he's almost always leading the charge mm-hmm. you know and this is kind of another example of that where he says I'm not doing it and, and everybody follows his lead and he's kind of marching him around but if Tron's by his side he's good but if he's not then he then he loses pretty much all of his you know uh, oomph you know in, in going after it in the first place. Yeah that's a good point and, and and I think you do see that quite a few more times of Corey taking a leadership role but not realizing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah he, they, they hand the test back. Feeney in season one is a bad teacher. We've established this. He's not good. Is he still a bad teacher? I think he is is a traditionalist. I feel like that's the argument that they're setting up here isn't a good teacher, bad teacher between Feeney and Turner. I think they're like, this is an old school teacher and this is kind of the newer school. Like he assigns them an X-Man comic. They, he's trying not to test them as long as they can show that they know the material. And Mr. Feeney's like, this isn't literature. This isn't what students should be reading. We're supposed to elevate their minds, which is what we do with these old, hard to read books, apparently. Um, and then we take tests because that's how we know how they've done um which to an extent is true but there's lots of ways to do that um so it isn't like good versus bad as much as old way of doing things versus new way of doing things and by the end i think we see that both feeney and turner i think have a little bit that they can learn from each other really because from my perspective feeney is wrong at every moment in this and at every moment and i i agree with you that that's what's being set up but i'm not sure that's what the text of the episode i don't feel like it lands very well but i think it's what it's well, but like if Turner hadn't already told them no test, I might kind of be on your side if Turner had just thought to himself, like, oh, I'm not going to give him a test if they do the work. Like he's basically telling Turner, go against what you've said. Mm-hmm. And I think that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. If he had done to them what if they had done to him what he had done to them, he would have done to them what they're doing to him. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that's a great that's a great line what what does Phoenix say back to him after he says that the first time he's like go to the board that. diagram that sentence go to the board diagram again a very classic oh. yeah. see if I if I was doing the out of this episode I think that I would have done it with Feeney standing there in a room with Turner while Turner was diagramming that sentence <laughs> 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 and failing to diagram that. Yes. <laughs> you can do it. Um, yeah, but l- like you said earlier, Luke, I just feel like the compromise would be, well, have them each get up and say what they learned from the book and, and see, like, mm-hmm. like, we can do this another way. Well, and I just think that there's a, there's a unprecedented amount of attention that the principal seems to pay to this seventh grade class. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I understand, like, I, you, you try to honor that by going, well, Feeney really cared about the seventh grade class is the last class he taught before he moved up you know and so there's maybe 
you know, is, is his, his ache to be back in the, in the schoolroom and maybe not so much, you know, so probably some, you could do some things there if you really wanted to, but. Yeah. But is there excusing take this test or die? Is that excuse? It's hilarious. <laughs> take this test or die. That is a die. Bad, that is a bad teacher move. Yeah. Bad. And, and you know, it had to be written that way just for Corey's die line right after, you know. Yeah. <laughs> then we yeah. die together. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Turner's kind of reaction to all that of just kind of laughing. Yeah. Mis- yeah. Uh, Mr. Turner's amusement. He's like, oh yeah, lines. I can learn a lot from you, George. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's great. I think um, Mr. Turner, he's just got this smirk on his face, like this whole time. <laughs> uh, and then they're in the cafeteria because the class marches out, sort of on strike, singing their union song. Yeah. But then they're in the and cafeteria. F- and Feeney puts his big end, you know, end all to it by canceling everything that ever was anything important to them. Which is where we learn maybe a very disturbing piece of information. This is apparently the entire seventh grade class. Yeah. How are there 2,000 kids at the school? And this is the entire... Maybe they just ruined it for everybody else. It may be. Um, but he says um, he says something about the entirety of the seventh grade class at some point, making it seem and, like... And maybe maybe he's... I just like to think that he exaggerated that, right? Like, you uh, know... Here. He does tell them to take the test or die. <laughs> I think he it, it is, yes. But, you know, at the same time, you look at their classroom sizes and you think this is what the rest of America needs. I mean, you look at the size of these classrooms, three rolls of students. Can you imagine having... 2,000 students in a school and the classroom sizes are three rows <laughs> and you get three English classes? <laughs> That's a good Sounds point. wonderful. That's a good point. Um, yeah, 2,000 students, 15 students per class. That's the dream. How many classes are we looking at there? Let's do some quick math. Some quick math. Do some quick math. Um, while you're doing that, they need an average of at every any given time about 134 classes. So that's 134 teachers. 134 teachers. I mean, maybe some study. If you have like PE, you have more in a PE class. Yeah. Yeah. Still huge. Yeah. Big. Um, but wonderful. Well funded. Yes. <laughs> but and that kind of school though, it, it seems that you would have a lot of corridors that look exactly the same. I mean, it would make sense at that. Yeah. Yeah. This. Course- I've always thought is just one corner. It's got to be multiples. I think you're right. right. Um, yeah, and then uh, <laughs> just when he pulls out the megaphone, this is your warden speaking. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. I can do whatever I want. I have the megaphone. Uh, Sean's line of "He's taking my girls away." Sean, we have to make sacrifices. Why can't we just sacrifice you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, <clears throat> great moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryder Strong nails that line. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we just sacrifice you? Um, Feeney reaffirms that he's been educating for 35 years, uh-huh. uh, which would be 36 at this point, but I don't think... Well, we'll give it to him. Yeah. Once you reach a certain point, you just kind of go with it. Um, I assume. The seventh grade football season being canceled? What? Does he have that authority? I don't know that he needs it. <laughs> I think that uh, at, at this point, it's, you know, he already threatened to kill them, so I imagine <laughs> that, you know... <clears throat> you know, it's like you start really high so then whatever else you say sounds reasonable right right well i'm gonna kill you oh how about i just take away football oh how about you just take a test now doesn't that seem not so bad we're gonna cancel your dance okay no okay here we are we're at test level (laughs) yes but it works whatever whatever it is it works um well now here's where you run into your problem though you're you're right um if you think about it chance because when 
uh, Corey then says, uh, you're, uh, you, can't, you can't cancel seventh grade if there's no seventh grade class. Yeah. And at that point, he definitely gives almost a, a, a clear cut, oh, like this is the only seventh grade class. Yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. This, this is a little group of students. Yeah. Um, Which is going to make an awfully small football team. <laughs> yeah, they'd all have to be on it. Uh, boys and girls. Yeah. It's eight-man mm-hmm. football, too. Uh, maybe Sean is the cheerleader, and that's why <laughs> – <laughs> he's really concerned because he's like been working with them, yeah. learning a lot, hitting all those spots, and everything. <laughs> and he's really sad he didn't get to participate. Yeah. <laughs> so they leave. Uh-huh. Um, I just have a note. I still think Feeney's wrong. Mm-hmm. The so. image though of Corey and Sean marching by themselves, saying "Look for the union label." Is anybody <laughs> behind us, my Sean? I think about that a lot. Yeah. Like for some reason, that song and marching, like I come back to it. Yeah. Well, at least every couple of weeks. I, I also don't like. just to finish it because I do like Sean's response. I gotta tell you, we're all alone here. I'm gonna no bail. I'm gonna bail. <laughs> you can. No, you're not. Yes, I am. It's it's very musical theater. Um, which is <laughs> which is a lot of fun. This is prior to every show having a music theater episode, so you're you're doing okay at this point. Yeah, it's true. Oh man, we we need to plan the musical episode <laughs> <laughs> some other time. Yeah, some other time. One of our other breaks. Um. So then we jump to. Is this where? Uh, this is where um, Eric and, and Desiree break, break up. up. Right. Yeah. So she's told him basically, like, you have to either choose me or Jason, like one of us. Um, and he takes some time to think about it. And then she, again, very cruelly. It's like, I'm going to make you choose me by saying that I want to go at this time. I know you have something. Mm-hmm. Again, that through line of submission, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And then he's like, what, do, what am I? Like, you're getting all these things out of it. What am I getting? Yeah. And then she lays one on him. And apparently to him and Jason, that justifies everything. Everything. Is that a passionate And this is the mind of a teenage male, right? What what did you say? I said that is the mind of the teenage male. That's the way that that works. Is that that one kiss is enough? Yeah. But you'll notice what never surfaces through this whole scene. The pager. Pager. Pager stays put away. At this point, I believe is still in Jason's possession. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's bright pink. It'd be very noticeable. Right. And and it would be. It would have been on Eric's belt, but it wasn't. I definitely double checked. I made sure I watched that scene again to see if it actually appeared again if he had given that pager back but he had not so you're let me let me see if i'm I'm tracking with you do you think jason was intentionally trying to break them up by taking this pager well, just let's let's let, let's walk this through okay. without without giving too much away as far as how the, the episode ends. If we go way back to the introduction between Desiree and Eric and Jason, if you remember right then in that introduction, what happens? What's the first thing that Jason says to Eric? Uh, misery bag? Is that what he says first? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. He's misery bag, misery bag, misery bag, right? Because, because Eric had told him right before that, if I do this again, don't let me do this again. Mm-hmm. I believe at that point in time, Jason was already infatuated with Desiree. Okay. I believe that was the start of it. And he, I believe he her. Up with the other girl, he's like saying all these terrible things about her. He's like, do you mind if I call her? <laughs> right. And so I think that Eric, Eric saw her first. He tries to misery bag, misery bag, misery bag to get him away from her so that he's got his shot. And men and then, to express their affection so it comes out. Right. Like yep. And at this point, we venture forward and through the next essentially six or seven scenes that we see them together, you have this back and forth between 
between Jason and Desiree, where Jason almost just wants to be seen as something more than what he actually is, which gives us a great famous line that happens there at the end of that uh, previous scene where he says, I'm a human being, mm-hmm. right? And then we have this back and forth. But at that point, he's got the pager in his possession. And when he gets that pager, he kind of throws it up in the air like he got what he wanted. He accomplished what he needed to there and slides it into his pocket. Very finally scene of the show, he's wearing that pager and he's with Desiree. Yeah, he's playing 4D chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Jason is the smartest character on Boy Meets World. He's figured it all out. He knows the rhythm. (laughs) (laughs) His goal is basically being a sub, but... (laughs) Well, if you think about, what does he say say to Eric right there at the end of that scene, right after after she walks away? I'm only in it for the goodbye kiss. (laughs) No, 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 no. Before that, before, when, when the breakup happens eric gets the kiss right? oh, yeah. he says you're an idiot yeah you're an idiot why because you fell for my ruse here we are <laughs> we made it to the end you're an idiot i won <laughs> uh, oh I, wow this is this is quite the this, this is quite, quite the, the unpacking revel- quite the revelation good work yep. uh, this is higher level thinking than my topanga is tricking cory mm-hmm. <laughs> in <laughs> girl episode um but yeah no i think i think you're right i think this was his goal the whole time yeah so there's our wrap up of that and we've even got the tag at the end kind of wrapped up where we see them together yeah i think it's yeah wrap up eric's let's just wrap it all up right there we need to just let's tie that in a bow uh-huh. yeah nicely done um yes you can be in a nice oh thanks buddy a nice georgian bow i think will be uh-huh. nice peach yeah. Color, uh, yeah peach peach colored bow we'll sell them in atlanta it'll be great um yeah i i had it written down uh jason changes his mind about desiree pretty fast but you've clearly not you've convinced me that's He's, not true had it in there I do have to say Eric's basketball outfit at the end is very weird. It's like sweatpants <laughs> with shorts over it with a long sleeve tee with kind of a hoodie with cutoff sleeves yes. over that. But we've already established it's kind of early September. Yeah. Why is he just completely no skin but his hands and his face showing? Maybe it's just Eric's, Eric's costuming is kind of strange throughout. You know, it's like uh, the, the, the baggies be. with a... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All of the fashions have been very strange this point um it was a weird time it was a weird time and then we've got stuff like desiree which that was not a sign of the times you will never see anyone wearing that um yeah it's weird um then we cut to the home uh where Corey and sean leave school and i guess turner waits until the end of the day to go to them uh-huh. Well, he's got to stay there. He hasn't walked out. It's true. I don't know. It's just, it, it's kind of weird. I guess Corey and Sean have been home all day. Mm-hmm. They, since fourth period. They staged their walkout. Um, mm-hmm. They went home. Uh, Turner shows up to talk to them. Uh, Alan makes a very, do you want to bust their heads? Because I'm okay with that. <laughs> to Mr. Turner? Yeah, he says that to Mr. Turner. It is funny when he comes with the helmet. And he's like, you have a helmet? It's like, I fall off the desk a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't miss a beat with that joke. Uh-huh. Um, um, so yeah, they have a they have a weird exchange. Uh-huh. Corey starts the if you had done or if we had done <laughs> you, would you he's like no 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 I've tried that I've been there. <laughs> so funny. He's like, what is the one thing you didn't have through all of this? And Sean's <laughs> just like mob connections, which we've already established. Sean kind of does have 
some mob connections. Yes. Trailer Park Mafia. Sean has some mob connections somewhere. Um, and, you know, this is where I, I love this episode. I think this episode is great. And I think the lesson is really well tied in, except it that it, my, my, my big problem comes here when they're talking about you're just kids. But is injustice to kids really not worthy of discussion? I mean, yeah, they're not migrant farmers. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they were still, like, they are still lied to. Like, they still were treated under false pretenses. Like, I'm not saying... It's not the same level of, like, exploitation. Right. And I think that the thing that we're reminded of there is that, um, is that the, the child, or that they're, they're privileged in being able to go and get an education. You know, there's, there's a privilege in that. Yeah, and I think that's true. I definitely think, like, they are, I mean, there is privilege in that they get to go and get an education, but there's also that they don't have a choice whether or not to do that thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It's just like whenever they're talking, like you forgot that you're just kids. <clears throat> yeah, it's like as as a kid, you don't have a voice and you don't get to exercise your voice. Which I think, again, even though Mr. Turner is sort of representing a newer sort of thought process in education, he's still versus now in 2020, some 26 years later, like the idea of like students exercising their voice and having choice in the things that they learn mm-hmm. is much more prevalent now than it was then. Yeah. So like that as an attitude that's shifted here in these last 20 plus years yeah and trying to let students exercise that more and maybe and, and this may just be a me thing because one um the only students i've ever worked with are college students and college students are adults who right you know get to exercise their voice um so maybe it's just a me thing um but to me it's just like well no like they still learned the lesson of the book and what they're saying is still valid like yeah it's not dire mm-hmm. it's not like they're not starving to death. No, but, you know, the, the mistreatment of the Okies didn't start there either. Like, I don't know. I, I still think Corey and Sean have a good point. And oh, like, sure. The only way, the only way that the, the, the rest of the seventh grade class was cowed was unfair, unjust threats. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> death. <laughs> like like right. death, yes. Well, and I, I think we can all agree on, like, that the fact and the ethics of it of going, like, and even I think Mr. Turner agreed that by saying that they had to take the test after telling them they wouldn't have to take the test was wrong yeah it just seems like the show is trying to tell us that no Corey and Sean are wrong because Mm -hmm. this isn't that big of a deal well I think that what what and what Alan brings it Alan brings it to um to to punch when he says you can either take the test or you can essentially he says what you can get a job or or you can take the the greatest test to find a job that or starve Mm -hmm. so you know which which kind of frames it all out of going no the education is needed by whatever method and whatever they tell you to do you better do it because you know the next test is much harder yeah that's true be good at following instructions is that what right. we're saying? The well, I, education? I think it's it's also saying it's not always going to be fair. You know, it, mm-hmm. and, and life isn't always going to be fair in that sense too. Going like, yeah, there are going to be injustices, but what do you do? You, you buck up and you move on. Which which I guess kind of counters the other, you know, the other side of it as far as the you know the grapes of wrath side where it's going mm-hmm. that we're trying to speak against you know that point of being able to stand up against injustice. You know, yeah. What what, what I was going to say was that that is actually kind of the opposite. So when Alan actually says that exact thing, that's kind of 
the opposite of what you should take from the Grapes of Wrath because it was the same test for them. They either shut right. up and dealt with the bad conditions or they starve. But the book is saying, that's not good. Uh-huh. Like, right. That's the only choices is to be exploited or die. Yeah. Right. That's not good choices either way. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like a lesser of two evils. It's like both are bad. Yeah, both and you that. should do something about it. Yeah. So, which is kind of, I feel like now in a lot of ways where there's people like there's oppression going on, we're speaking up about it, we're saying something and then groups of people like deal with it, like stop whining and stop complaining right. and get over it. And they're like, or, yeah. this is, yeah. people say, well, at least we're not segregated anymore. It's like, it's like, huh. actually we're kind of more segregated now than we've ever been. Yeah. Um, especially our schools, whole other thing. Um, but um, yeah, just kind of that idea, like you just got to suck it up and go with it. Yeah. isn't a good place to land because I don't think that's yeah. true. Like you have agency as a person and can exercise your agency to change your situation. Yeah. Or well, but essentially what happens as, you know, so th- this happens with this conversation with Alan and then they, and then they go, okay, well, I guess we need to talk to Feeney. And then what, what really ends up happening is by the end, Feeney's mind is completely changed. Right. I mean, like he kind of has this epiphany of going, huh, well, maybe it will work that way. You know, so it's got this it's got this weird backup line of like this is what this is how the world works what is what alan with alan says which he's shaped to believe that in the way that you know that that you know he's lived his life and things he's done but then you have feeney you know who's kind of old school that kind of figures it out you know goes oh okay well maybe you know maybe there is something to what uh, mr turner was saying about you know not having to take the test to understand the material mm-hmm. well and i wish that would have been explicit in his learning because like to the end feeney is claiming to be right he's saying like, what did they just go through and even, and even at the end turner's like oh i guess i have something to learn from you it isn't like you can improve your pedagogical practices so right i can and we can sharpen each other as teachers it's kind of like oh mr feeney you were right again yeah um even though mr feeney has learned something too yeah it doesn't really uh, i think feeney feeney just kind of takes a cheap shot out i mean if you're really thinking about it it's like he's going aha you know like 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 oh you thought i wasn't thinking about this the whole time it was gonna be a test aha you know it, it, it was obvious that feeney was wrong clearly in the midst of that and that that like you, you know that being wrong yeah just and he just didn't concede when that. He, he tells the class to take the test or die and they all walk out and then turner's like i got a lot to learn from you yeah <laughs> i the ending of this i think is very good and it's very heartwarming and obviously it, it it encouraged this great conversation that i think we're having but i think all the adults are wrong like uh-huh. i like I, I wish turner would have said like actually you, what you guys did was great but maybe not the best way like you could exercise that right uh-huh. like but also i really beefed it yeah. by going back on what i told you was going to be the deal yeah right he should have owned up because i think that's also important for kids to see like oh teachers and adults well are- and and yeah and maybe they say you know the appropriate thing wasn't staging a walkout you know the appropriate thing would have been submitting to the authority and then writing about it or you know in, engaging at that point and going what are we going to do after the fact to assure this never happens again you know uh, there are other ways about it aside from you know uh, picking up and stalking out yeah something like that just yeah just having a conversation about like i don't know the adults being wrong or like yeah i don't know mm-hmm. i wish it would have resolved differently yeah. um, though i do think the ending of this episode is very good because um, i just feel like the episode kind of ends on the note of like your students you don't have a voice Mm-hmm. So like how could they exercise their voice if they're not given one mm-hmm. but then we see like they do have one 
and then they're like, well, we all learned something in the end. Um, yeah. So yeah, overall, I, I think it's a good episode. I really liked it. Um, I think it does a really good job tying in what they're learning at school to what they're learning in life because it's literally explicit. Yeah. There's no subtext. It's just all text. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're literally taking what they learned in the book and trying to exercise it. Uh-huh. Um, and it goes badly. Yeah. So yeah, uh, just to wrap up the episode, um, I really like when Sean says at the end, like, uh, it's from the book. I actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh yeah Feeny's like oh yeah whenever there's a guy who don't know nothing I'll be there I'll be there yeah. <laughs> um, and while I think the, the show doesn't give the agency that it should to these kids um, it, it, it's still a really good episode mm-hmm. that's all I'll say uh, mm-hmm. why, don't we, why don't we let our guest rate it first what's your uh, I was I'm, I'm gonna rate? say I'm gonna say it's it's a six and a half six point five from me I think it is a really good episode I think the episode before it is better um if I was going to rate the two episodes together, I'd probably give them a solid eight. Like as far as like just in the pairing, it carry over the story and, uh, and and the way that it kind of pairs in. Um, I think it is a better episode overall. Um, you know, and and I think it definitely sets the series up to go in a positive direction. Like and and, and it is. It's been like a like the first three episodes are like boom boom. Like you can't really see my hands, but it's like you know first level, second level, third level, right? And then it kind of bounces back down to second level here, and then it starts to progress back up again as sure. far as like the way that the series escalates yeah so you're giving it a 6.5 I mean, yeah i see what you're saying i guess i felt the opposite because i thought I, I liked this better than the first episode mm-hmm. i like me and mr joe more than notorious so i gave it an eight and a half eight and a half yeah yeah i just i just, i also thought it was just very funny i know you said feeney was the bad guy i thought he was hilarious even in that bad guy role yeah i i don't dislike william daniel in the role but i just as think... a person it's not a good look no but as a character in the show it's very funny and especially yeah. like following Feeney is like, you've been a really bad teacher for an entire season now. <laughs> and now you say something like, take this test or die. Um, I'm, I'm leaning a little more towards Cameron, but um, I do think, it, I thought these episodes were pretty equal. Now I'm going to drop this one down one. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 7.5. Um, it's on an average of 7.5, does it? That's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's still a good show. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a great show. Because um, I really like it. Um, I think, like I said, I think it gives the I think it gives the um, adults a little too much credit at the end because I think they're wrong. Um, so I'm going to drop it down for that. Um, but at the same time, it let us have this discussion. Um, I think it's very funny. Uh, you with your um, theory about Jason's scheme, really, oh, it's very good. Yeah, it's very good, and I enjoy it. So I'm going to give it a 7.5, which will give it an. Is that an average of 7.5? Huh? Six okay. and a half, eight and a half. Average is seven and a half. Throws mm. Oh, there. I thought you did an eight for some reason. Right, yeah, eight and a half. Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, what are we thinking MVP? So I, I, I'm giving MVP. I'm giving MVP to Jason. I think that he uh, that uh-huh. he takes he takes the show uh, over those two episodes in the midst of it. And if you're really looking for it, I think that's where it sits. Of course, like I said earlier, and I think that that's part of the reason the rating went the way it was is because I really feel like Eric's story was more compelling in this episode than Corey's story was. Yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely see that as an argument. I like both a lot but eric's was definitely more entertaining who was your mvp uh i said turner okay um i i love him smugly talking to feeney i think it's so funny <laughs> 
yeah, I think it shouldn't be much of a surprise, but I said Feeney just because I think he's <laughs> hilarious and I just like watching him kind of crash and burn. Okay, we need to come up with who is the MVP of this episode. Oh, we all... dear. I don't think Feeney's going to win it, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll concede because I don't think I'll be able to convince either of you to join the coalition. Yeah, I'm, I'm not joining Feeney on this one. I, I, while I thought Feeney was funny, I did not like him. I just thought it was, he was so funny. I have the megaphone. I can say whatever I want. Yes, <laughs> but what he was doing with the megaphone was bad. Well, he told him there was time for them to meet management. Management's not good. <laughs> he was doing it. It was a good lesson. Um, yeah. And, and uh, teaching students that, or teaching anyone that change doesn't come without sacrifices, something. Yeah, some consequences. It's a good lesson. It's something of value. But still, don't like Feeney in this one. Um, <laughs> it's a bad bake. You know, I like Jason. Um, I would be more on board for Jason if we were taking an MVP of these two episodes. Sure. Could see that. Um, because I do I do think these maybe is the best Jason get mm-hmm. I can't yeah. remember him showing, showing up maybe one or two more times well that's because he disappeared with Denise see this is this goes on and on oh, you mean with Desiree 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 <laughs> what I'm talking yes Desiree, Desiree. he disappears yeah. with Desiree that's where it just continues to move down the road yeah so there's a progression here he becomes Desiree's sub for the rest of his life that's right oh I'm just ready for this episode to be over so we don't have to talk about that anymore <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> um yeah uh the, the writer of this episode is kinky um i say we go with jason i like jason i'll give jason because i don't want to side with yeah. or agree with anything he's saying right now <laughs> i would like to say i mean we turner is going to have many more opportunities yeah. here so i think that uh i think that it's a fair a fair move to give jason the yeah and the role. episode the episode is not yet but we give turner mvp episode one oh, yeah the previous episode got it yeah so he gets it so yeah i think i think this can be this is jason probably his only yeah but it's his mvp he earned it he earned it yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> sneakily conspiracy. um i would do want to give a special shout out to amy spraying him in the crotch absolutely as almost, awesome. as almost mvp <laughs> yeah she was a close second to me like i, I thought amy would amy <laughs> It was almost my pick. So yeah, it's only one scene, but it's a great. It is scene. a great. Scene. Uh, and then titles it said "Boy Meets the Megaphone." You, I just really it. attached to this megaphone moment. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, everything I have to say from this point out is just no. <laughs> your your opinion is always valid. We, I did uh, Boy Meets Student Rights, so I, I didn't love it either. Mine's closer to yours. Mine's Boy Meets the Man. Ooh. Ooh. Wait, what about just tweaking that a little bit? Boy Meets Management. <laughs> it's all good. I like the man. Okay, Boy Meets the Man it is. The man. Did you give us our last episode title too? Yeah, Mr. Wheat. Yes, I did. Yeah. All right. That just makes me a good guess. That's all. Yeah, future guests, if you ever come on, don't just think. We're just going to let you say whatever. You're not just going to get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we gotta bring the heat that Luke Garrison is bringing. <laughs> well, Luke, you wanna, do you wanna plug anything? Uh, do you wanna plug uh, anything you're doing? Where people can find you? Anything? Like yeah, that? you don't have to. Yeah, well, uh, the 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 biggest plug I'll give is to my company. So, uh, Speak Now Film Company, owned and operated uh, here in Ponca City, Oklahoma. We do uh, we do production work for um, uh, commercials and and many different things, as well as social media management for local businesses, and and uh, and do that. So you can find us uh, on Facebook or Instagram.
Instagram or any of those sources at Speak Now Productions. And uh, just check us out. We get a lot of funny content, different things going on there. And uh, But I appreciate you guys letting me a part of this tonight and uh, and being a part of the show. And, and I look forward to listening to many more podcasts uh, about uh, one of my favorite series of all times. So very okay. good. Yeah. And thank you for our opening and mid-scene. We'll probably get you to cut out some more clips for us eventually. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything you need, you let me know. Cool. Um, Cameron, you got anything? Um, no, I think that's all. Yeah, I don't think we have any mail. No mail. No, no. We did We did have one listener say um, William Daniels was in the movie 1776 as John Adams. So he was saying that's a good, yeah. at least in his mind, why they go to John Adams High. Mr. Feeney's the principal. Yeah. Just because of that kind of an homage or reference to... Um, Interesting. Yeah, our friend Charlie has a 4th of July ritual where he watches the movie 1776. Um, but other than that, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at at BG World Fever and email us uh, bgworldfever at gmail.com um, we've gotten some great advice from Luke today so maybe our social media presence will get better maybe not I don't know guys <laughs> the limit but uh, yeah nowhere to go what up find us there tell us uh, your thoughts on the episode your MVPs your ratings your titles all that kind of stuff and I think that's all we got for today yeah so from all of us here at Boeing's World Fever Fever that's true I'm Cameron I'm Chance oh and I'm Luke thanks for having me <laughs> so long world so long world so long world. So long world.